All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 6, Episode 7 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast, presented to you by our friends at OddsShark.com. I'm your host, Brock Segan. With me, we got Dylan D. Berthium, Michael Biebs Bondi. Uh, today will be the final episode in what was a very abbreviated NHL offseason. We are one week away from the start of the NHL season. So today Crazy. we are going to cram the defensemen and goaltenders into one episode. We don't want to talk your ear off for three hours. So we are going to try to cram these two segments into about an hour and a half. So uh, Dylan, Beebs, how's it going, boys? Doing good. Um, all yacked up on caffeine right now. So just going to be flying through this episode, um, which is good. As a whole, though, um, you know, great world juniors. Um, as you mentioned, we're on our way. Well, I don't know about great, but great as a whole, we're on our way to the new season, and it feels like, you know, hockey's uh, – we're, we're there. A couple more steps. <laughs> it's better than Christmas. I don't even care. D, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Feeling uh, pretty happy about the fact that we don't have to dedicate entire episodes talking about goaltenders. So, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Best day of, uh, best day of your year so far, no doubt. Um <laughs> Yeah, World Juniors was good. Obviously entertaining. Congratulations to the United States. That was an impressive victory. It turns out that I'm a World Junior jinx, though. First time I've ever been on Sweden. I snapped their 15-year record. And then uh, 
I said I chirped somebody and said that you actually believe that this Canada team is going to get shut out. And then they did. So it turns out I should never tweet about the world juniors, but uh, uh, I was saying that was like, like before that game, I was telling people, I'm like, yeah, this is like arguably the best Canadian team we've ever seen, blah, blah, blah. Then that game happened. And I just kind of shut up really quick and uh, (laughs) onto the NHL season. I was, I was, I just can't believe, uh, I just can't believe Brock was beaking someone on Twitter. That's I know, eh? That's, that's the shocking. biggest surprise. Do, of all I don't of do it anymore. I'm like 29 years old now. I'm not. Yeah, because bad half of them you send it to us first, and then we're like, "Hey, man, that's uh, bullshit." Maybe you just don't let that out right now. <laughs> that is total bullshit. We're your but, PR guys, essentially. <laughs> come on. All right, let's get into the defenseman here. Um, we'll go one through ten as we normally do um, to kind of speed things up. Uh, we, we, we talked about our rankings before the show started. Um, all three of us have John Carlson as number one. Um, I think Easy many money. people have made a case for Victor Hedman uh, belonging there. For me, um, I did actually have him at number one originally, but as soon as Kucherov got hurt, I felt the need to bump him down to number two. Uh, what separates Carlson from Hedman for you, Beeps? Uh, for me, I'm just going off of recency bias. It was just last year was a huge year. Obviously led the league in points. That's John Carlson I'm talking about. So 60 assists. And you mentioned it. Uh, losing Kutrop is a huge, not a huge loss, but a huge loss for any power play. And John Carlson's just going right back into what, what was working last year. So for me, I see another almost point per game season from John. If he can do what he was doing, no reason why he shouldn't. And uh, yeah, that, that gets you a number one ranking. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Carlson has just kind of proven himself over the last three years uh, to be a reliable 70-point uh, threat on the back end. And obviously, you, you can't beat that in today's fantasy market. Hedman, I, I think, you know, while he's reached uh, those kind of heights before, we're used to seeing him kind of cap out around the 55, 60-point pace. Um, so that's kind of what I'm expecting out of Hedman this year. I, I like them both. I think they're both really reliable. Yeah. Another um, 35 Carlson, assists to Obi. Guaranteed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think Carlson's job uh, of just teeing up Ovi on the power play just <laughs> banks him an extra 10 assists a year. So he's got to be top spot for me. Yeah, only a handful. Um, actually, two defensemen in the last three years have put up over a point per game. That was John Carlson last year was 75 and 69. And Brent wow. Burns in 2019 when he had uh, 83 and 82. Uh, we all have Victor Hedman at number two. Um, you know, I guess it's it's kind of a strange luxury to lose a guy like Nikita Kucherov, but then you just replace him with Steven Stamkos. I mean, like that's a, you know, normally if a guy like Nikita Kucherov is out for the entire season, that would be a massive hole to fill. But when you've got Steven Stamkos coming back from injury off a team that won Stanley, the Stanley Cup without him, um, pretty nice luxury to have. So uh, Victor Hedman, that power play should still remain strong. That's why I have him at number two. You guys have anything else to add on Victor? Nothing there. Uh, I mean, there is definitely a case for you know, Roman Yossi, um, but uh, but otherwise, I think you just you kind of got to go with what Hetman's done. Uh, if we're talking about how steady Carlson is, Hetman's been right there. And as you mentioned, the Kucherov loss is not nearly as hard when you bring in one of the best one two guys in the league in Steven Samkos. So give me him at number two. I almost expect a, a better than last year uh, season from Hetman, and that still puts him at two. Just uh, just shows how high I'm on Carlson, but. Yeah, I think Roman Yossi, um, honestly, I looked at it forever and I wanted to put him at number one. He pops in my projections. Uh, He had just an outstanding year last year. I mean, it was only a couple episodes ago we were talking about how his season basically ranked as one of the greatest Nashville Predators seasons in history and he was a defenseman. So um, 
Roman Yossi's number three for me. Uh, he 45 goals is third amongst all defensemen in the last three years, uh, trailing only Dougie Hamilton and Zach Erwenski, who we will get to uh, in a few minutes. Do you guys both have Roman Yossi at number three as well? D? Uh, yeah, I, I do. I Like you said, I think he's just the most reliable option left once you get past Carlson and Hedman. Mm-hmm. Um, seven straight years scoring between 12 and 16 goals. So that, that's unreal consistency off the back end and, um, he's obviously taken a shot volume to new heights the last few years. So you can really bank, uh, on him being around 15, uh, or a 15 goal pace, I guess. Um, and yeah, just a little bit more, um, punch to that with the assist and plays a little bit stronger of a role on the power play than the, than maybe some of the guys behind them, um, or the guy immediately behind him anyway, for me. Um, so yeah, I agree. It just comes down to consistency and reliability at this, at the top end of the draft. So it's gotta be OC at three for me. Yeah, we've kind of seen we've we've seen a constant pattern like this um, in previous years. There's just the guys who with the D. There's guys who clearly stand out. Really, the only one who stepped out is our boy Brent Burns of this top three, and this is kind of where we move Yossi right in. Um, same thing as D said. There's a, there's a glaring obvious three at the top, and uh, and and I think from here is where we kind of start, and you can kind of start to make uh, a little bit of changes up with your top D. But for sure, for me, it's those top three. Um, no questions asked. Yeah, they're, they're so clearly, I think that's kind of the top tier. And then you get to a couple guys uh, here at four and five um, that seem to be a little bit in a tier of their own before you get to kind of a real jumbled mess there between like six and 12. Um, so I've got Kale McCarr at four, Dougie Hamilton at five. I think Dougie Hamilton's a guy that obviously could have had a massive year last year had he not been injured. Uh, just, you know, I, I mentioned him a couple minutes ago, even though he was hurt for a good portion of last year. Still second in the NHL amongst defensemen and goals uh, over the last three seasons. So Dougie Hamilton, um, I think we're all big fans of the Carolina Hurricanes and what they should be able to accomplish this year. Getting Dougie Hamilton and that elite shot volume back, it, it, it you know fits right in with that. Uh, but Kale McCarter, just a slight, slightly ahead of uh, him for me uh, because you look at that Colorado roster and it's just absolutely loaded. Uh, McCarr should see plenty of time. Uh, with that top line at 5v5 and then all of the power play time. So uh, I think that if you're talking about Dougie's injury, I think you got to bring up McCars too. He missed 13 games there. So they kind of both went through the same pattern. Sorry to cut you off, bro. Yeah, no, no problem at all. It's just, I I think that, um, you know, that they're probably pretty similar in their production. Um, Obviously not the same type of player, but similar in their production. And I think that, the uh, avalanche are just slightly more powerful, especially on the power play. So that just gives McCarr the slight bump for me. Um, and then I think the other thing is quickly is that I think we've kind of seen where Hamilton is going to max out, right? We have, we don't really know what Kale McCarr's ceiling is just yet. Uh, and that team seemingly just keeps getting better and better. Um, Biebs, we'll start with you because obviously you love Kale McCarr uh, more than any of us. So where do you have him ranked in your top 10? Uh- um, I had, I originally came into the show, even though I said there was a top three, I had him at number three, but then after seeing Yossi stats, I moved him out. So that shows how high I was, but I got Makar at number four, seventh in points last year. And again, missed 13 games. Um, it would have been cool to see what could have been if you would have put together an 82 game season as a rookie. We mentioned in previous, uh, I, I would have uh, almost the last two episodes, I think, or the last two um, years that there's been no rookie D-man who's gotten over, I believe it was 55 points, and we didn't see it again. It was going to happen. Didn't see it due to COVID. It's clearly a curse. Um, but now, I mean, McCarr is going to break free from that. On the same same kind of mindset as you, Brock, it's just the ceiling is just a little bit higher than Dougie Hamilton, and I'm incredibly high on Dougie this year. Um, 
actually have him at number six. I have Quinn Hughes at number five, but um, I'm high on Doug as well. But for me, McCarr just with that lineup around him, everything, everything he does is going to be uh, there. Are the scoring chances galore for them. So number four for him. And then do you want me to go to five or we can shoot over to D? I'll go with your five. Uh, okay. I'll, well, I was okay. going to say, I actually have Dougie ab- above McCarr. So maybe I could just make a, a case for, for Dougie here real quick. Um, for me, I mean, I know I get what you guys are saying. You know, Dougie's 26 years old. McCarr is obviously one of the most exciting young defensemen in the league, if not the most. Um, but to me, like, we never really seen what Dougie could offer in a number one um, role, both at even strength and on the power play. Uh, he had never played more than 21 minutes a season before last year, and then he finally got the boost and the role that we would uh, really been calling for for years on this podcast, right? Played 23 minutes a night. He was on the top power play unit. Um, scored 14 goals in 47 games and he was shooting the puck almost four times a game, which is insane uh, for a defenseman. Like that's above even peak Brent Burns. Uh, So yeah. yeah, And now he was finally picking up those assists from the power play time as well. Right. That was really always kind of lacking in his totals. He had been a reliable uh, goal scoring threat in Calgary. And then the first year in Carolina, but without that top power play time, the assists were kind of always lacking. Um, So yeah, last year really seemed to, let that loose. So I, I really think that a full season of Dougie, he can flirt with a point per game. Makar, obviously the shot volume is not quite at the, the Dougie level. It's really good for a defenseman of his age, um, you know, shooting the puck twice a game last year. That's like I said, really solid for, and pretty much unheard of for a rookie defenseman. So it, it obviously goes right in hand in hand with the type of player that he is in this season that he had. Um, but it just seemed to me that everything kind of seemed to go right for Makar last year, at least in terms of production. It's hard to imagine how he could have had a better year than he did. Uh, he shot 10% from the back end on ice shooting percentage was 10.6%, which is again, pretty high for a defense, but makes sense with the talent he has around him. Um, but I, I still kind of imagine Makar, um, those underlying numbers kind of falling back to earth a little bit. Um, and then as he improves, like I said, I think it's more of like an offset mitigation thing where we might be another year or two before we really see him take off uh, and establish himself as one of the best point producers from the back end. Um, so, yeah, I, again, I just kind of trust Dougie shot volume a little bit more, and that has me a little bit more excited, but it's a, it's a tough call for sure. The one thing that's really interesting about Dougie Hamilton is that you know, prior to last season, this is a guy that's never missed a game really, uh, you know, for four seasons in a row, he missed w- one game over those four years. So it's not a guy who's prone to injury, you know, just a freak incident last year. Uh, he's a yeah. guy that we can expect to, to come back this year and, and play the entire 56. Uh, the shot volume is obviously ridiculous. I mean, his price on DraftKings every night was just through the roof because he shot so much. Yeah. Um, I absolutely love Dougie Hamilton as well. I think where I think where I just have McCarr ahead of him. Um, I think at the end of the year we'll be talking about McCarr um, probably with the more points and Dougie Hamilton with more goals. Uh, and really, it's it's kind of a pick and choose here, whichever you know, whatever your preference is on draft day, um, McCarr or Hamilton, because I think that they're pretty much dead even. Uh, I think going back to your point for a second, Bead. Um, Kale McCarr, 50 points last year, and Quinn Hughes, 53 points. The first two rookie defensemen to top 50 points since Vladimir Malakoff in 1993. Uh, Everyone now, knows about that year. Malakoff, I'm assuming this is how you pronounce it. Nick Lidstrom, though, uh, still most points by a rookie defenseman uh, since 1990. So, what was that number? But, uh, 60 points in 80 games in 1992. <sighs> 
but Would've just goes to kind of show just how good of rookie seasons Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr both had. Uh, the one number that we always kept going back to was Dion Phaneuf's 49 points in 2006. That's probably what you're referring to. We've talked about that number quite a bit on this podcast. Uh, but all right, let's, that. let's go six through 10 here. I'm going to rattle off my six through 10. Uh, and then we can kind of just talk about all the similarities or differences that we have uh, throughout. So I have Tory Krug at six because I just think that he has, you know, he's been unquestionably one of the most elite power play uh, specialists in the league over the last few seasons, you know, moving from Boston to St. Louis, he shouldn't really skip a beat, especially now that St. Louis has brought in Mike Hoffman. Uh, you know, you've got guys like Shannon O'Reilly, Mike Hoffman now in that top unit. I think crew can continue to produce at an elite pace on the power play. So I really like him. Morgan Riley is almost the exact same player to me as Tory Krug, at least from a fantasy perspective, also on an elite power play unit. Uh, doesn't have to fight with Tyson Berry this year. I think that uh, Morgan Riley is a really good bounce back candidate uh, this upcoming season. That power play should just click on all cylinders. I have him slightly ahead of Quinn Hughes. I really like what Quinn Hughes did last year. I really think that the Vancouver Canucks are going to be uh, an outstanding team in the in the years to come. But I think that that's kind of where Quinn Hughes is going to you know max out here over the next couple of years. Uh, you, you know, on ice shooting percentage was nine point seven last year, still pretty high. Uh, for a team that's still, you know, still trying to kind of find their way. I don't think they're quite to that elite level like uh, St. Louis and Toronto. Then Tyson Berry, I don't need to add anything more on Tyson Berry than I have in episodes previous. Yeah, uh, I've talked about that enough. Yeah, he, you know, going to that power play is enough to just re- resurrect his value completely. Um, and then I have Brent Burns rounding out my top 10, similar uh, to a guy like Dougie Hamilton, just tremendous shot volume uh, that you, you're not going to find in anybody other than Dougie Hamilton. And it's enough to keep his value afloat as a number one defenseman in fantasy. Still, uh, I think that there is bounce back appeal for both Burns and Eric Carlson. We talked about it uh, D uh, a couple weeks ago that, you know, it was kind of the season from hell for the San Jose Sharks. And I don't think it can get much worse. Uh, but anyways, that's how I go six through 10 Krug, Riley, Hughes, Barry Burns. Uh, I'd be interested to hear where you guys differ. Uh, Biebs, we'll start with you. All right, so I definitely said in the last segment that I have Doug or Hughes ahead of Dougie, but after hearing what D had to say, Dougie definitely <laughs> slipped into my number five slot. I so love that's my go, favorite D. part. Not of ahead of McCarr, but is that you? You get persuaded by us, and you change your rankings. You're like, you know what? That's a good. So that makes me feel good about. I just didn't realize podcast uh, making great the shot production. <laughs> yeah, no, that is, that is great. Hopefully everyone's kind of doing the same thing and hopefully your rankings are way more off than mine. So that, uh, so that when you do listen to this, it sounds a lot better. Um, <laughs> uh, but mine was pretty close. So, so I now, uh, I, I agree. Dougie deserves that five spot. I'm not giving him the four with Gil McCarr yet, but five spot. I got Hughes at six. Um, I just, I, I, I it's kind of, he's kind of, this sounds terrible to say, and we're probably gonna hear it, but I, I I'd say he's a poor man's McCarr. Um, but he's really not. He's just uh, he, he's a rich man's also Macar. So like, if I'm giving Macar this much love, I also have to give it to Quinn Hughes. But it's just the tiny bit of people around him that uh, oh. they're literally the same player. He's not a poor man's Macar. I'm just chirping. I have to. Um, yeah, that yeah, was Quinn a shot. Hughes at six. Yeah, I gotta take my shots. Right I don't know why you're saying we're gonna get chirped for that. I didn't. I never said anything like that. That you're gonna get the fact that, that one. the fact that it's just dropped on the pod as a whole. Like, I yeah, think no, in uh, in fantasy terms, you're not. I think in fantasy terms, you're not far off, but I think like if you dropped Quinn Hughes and kill McCarr's spot, we'd have Hughes at five and McCarr at oh, 10. You know absolutely. what I mean? 
Absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. I, uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, it's just that as little much bit as we of love, people around them. Yeah. As much yeah. as we love um, the Canucks and, and the power play and the firepower they have up front, you'd obviously rather be the, it's just the not QB McKinnon for McKinnon right and company. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You hit that one on the nail. And that's, that's honestly how I feel. So in no way is he, so he's on a poor man's team. We'll say that's how I'll correct myself. The Vancouver Canucks uh, are a poor worse. man's Colorado avalanche. Not, you heard <laughs> is it. That what you're you saying? heard it. Okay. Lock it in. You I heard think it. That's kind of fair. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we got him there. We got Tyson Berry at number seven again, like Brock said, contract year. I love him and Edmonton. I just love that situation. Taking a big risk here to put him at seven. Number eight, Brent Burns for me. Um, I think I had the highest set of all of us him here, but again, terrible year still had 12 goals. He's a, he's still a top end goal specialist for me. As far as Digo. Um, I would love to have this guy on my roster, put him there at eight. Number nine, Tori Krug. Brock spoke about him, all those reasons. And then some of the number 10 from the Toronto Maple Leafs, Morgan Riley, uh, so much talent around him. If he's leading that power play, we've seen it be successful. We're going to see it happen again. So number six. So I'll go over those quick again, just six Hughes, seven, Barry, eight Burns, nine Krug and number 10, Morgan Riley. Nice. Uh, I got Riley at six. Um, yeah, like you guys said, I think he's just a prime bounce back candidate. The big thing, obviously, being, like you said, Brock Barry's not there to jockey for that uh, time on the top power play unit. Um, and we've seen, you know, the culture shift or at least the uh, philosophy shift with the, the split between the first and second unit has changed drastically since Keith came aboard. Babcock, uh, you know, usually opted for a much more balanced approach, both with the ice time and the, the makeup of the two units, whereas Keith's all about loading the top unit um and and playing them for as much as he can so riley should be a big benefactor of that this year um and yeah i think he's just a little bit more reliable this season than some of the names i got behind him uh number seven i was surprised that he didn't make any of you guys top tens at all but i have chris the tang at seven um to me again it just comes down to reliability he's been healthier in the last few years than than he's been in the past he's still producing at right around a 50 to 55 point pace comfortably. Um, and obviously with potential to do a little bit more than that, he plays a ton whenever he does play. Um, what are we looking at? Like six seasons in a row, uh, averaging over 25 minutes a night, obviously still the top option on that power play and just a more reliable goal scoring threat um, than anyone down this list, save for maybe the likes of Brent Burns. Um, but then I got Krug at eight. The change of scenery for me just puts me off a little bit. I would agree that it looks a lot better with Hoffman there now. Um, and he should actually be, I mean, potentially, especially with Pesci Angelo gone now, there's some extra, obviously a lot of extra minutes at even strength to go around. So he might actually get a bump in ice time compared to what he was seeing uh, in Boston with McAvoy and Chara um, still eating minutes. Yeah. Just to interrupt uh, and then for I got, a second. Like we talked yeah. about that a little while ago about how, you know, for years he, he kind of played those sheltered almost second D pair minutes uh, behind McAvoy and Chara. And now him and Pareko should eat all the minutes that they can out there. Um, We've talked about it before that a lot of teams are really shifting to these absolutely stacked top two pairings and playing them as many minutes as possible. And then having kind Mm -hmm. of just a garbage third pair that plays very selective minutes. And that's kind of similar to what they've got um, out in St. Louis. So I think, Krug and Pareko could be in for just absolutely massive minutes this season. So I agree there completely. Sorry to interrupt you, but I just wanted to. No, for sure. Uh, and then I have Burns at nine. Um, again, I like that fall from grace last year. It just seems a little bit too epic for me. Um, was really shocked at how poor the Sharks were offensively last season. 
Um, so yeah, I, I really, like we say, just can't imagine it to be any worse this year, even with him being a little bit older. Um, yeah, the shot volume took a big hit, but it's still elite uh, in terms of defensemen. Um, and I have him slightly over Quinn Hughes, just because Quinn Hughes doesn't really seem to be much of a goal scoring threat at this point in his career from the back end. He should still feast on a lot of assists this year. Um, but him and then maybe Krug are the two guys in my top 10 that I'm really weary about getting or at least playing at a 10 goal pace this season, um, or, which is, you know, I think pretty important on the back end because the assists kind of come and go from year to year really relies on power play production more than anything else. Uh, and all these guys that we've mentioned for the most part are either on good or great uh, power plays or at least have good weapons around them. Um, so it, it's really kind of splitting hairs. And I agree, once you get out of the top three, it's just kind of like the best of the rest. Uh, I think for me, Dougie and McCarr are kind of a cut above um, and then, yeah, it gets a little dicey after that. It kind of just, it's going to come down to puck luck deciding how these guys end up to round the year. Um, so yeah, I just, I'll, I'll always opt for reliability and safety on draft day. Um, so that's why Burns is just slightly ahead of Quinn Hughes for me. Yeah. There's so many guys that are just outside of this yeah. little top 10. Like, I mean, and, and like we, guys. we talked about it a couple weeks ago with, with the centers, there's basically anywhere from like six to 15, you, you can, you can you'd be fine. I mean, like we barely talked about guys like Alex Petrangelo, Chris Letang, Zach Ruwenski, um, Eric mm-hmm. Carlson, even, um, Meek, um, what the hell, where did he go? Yeah. No, Carlson is wild. That's well, absolute just, bonkers. It, it, oh, and Miro Heiskanen too. Like he's a guy that's extremely high on certain people's Seth um, Jones, John Klingberg, Rasmus Dahlin, Shea Weber, Shea yeah, Theodore, tons of guys that are just all right Theodore there. I think that, I, I think that, you know, after Heiskanen there, I think there's a little bit of a drop off to where those guys are a little bit more, you know, solidified in the number two range. I think a guy like John Klingberg could have a nice bounce back, but Shea Weber, he still scores a ton of goals. Like there's so many guys in there like that can be easily top 10 defensemen this year, but only obviously 10 of them can get there. But there, are, there is just so many. I mean, I think Eric Carlson, I said, nice bounce back year potential. Zach Rowenski, I mean, nobody scores more goals from the blue line really than he does. And he just, I, I think for me, at least I'm, I'm sure it's the same for you guys. For, for Rowenski, it's just so much competition with Zach Jones or uh, Seth Jones. He's obviously um, the number one power play guy on most nights. Uh, which gives him a little bit of a bump over Jones, but there it, he's got competition that almost none of these other defensemen that we're talking about have for that top power play unit. Um, you know, Roman Yossi obviously has Ryan Ellis there, but they usually play together on that top unit, if anything. So, um, so many defensemen that we could talk about and more that we are going to talk about here. Um, so why don't we start with the sleepers and breakouts and busts, of course. Um, but Beebs, we started with you a bunch, so let's switch it up. Let's go back to D right away here with his sleeper defenseman. All right, so this is a fan of the show and uh, most certainly friend of the show, uh, Aaron Ekblad. Um, yep, heard that. I, I I think when you look at the ADPs right now for defensemen, there's not a lot of obvious value to be had. Um, but Ekblad, definitely one that sticks out to me and, and probably anyone that has listened to the podcast uh, in the past. Um, he, he really took over as the number one defenseman in Florida last season. He started to finally get uh, some time with the top power play unit while Yandel um, obviously saw a big drop uh, in his role in his ice time last season, was playing just 18 minutes a night. Uh, Ekblad should continue to be a workhorse for them this season. I, and I think he's uh, – he, or he really did have one of his best years at 5v5 last year. Uh, he posted a 52.9% Corsi 4 rating, uh, which was good enough for 4.9% relative Corsi. So – 
um, played a ton of minutes and the Panthers were much better off when he was on the ice. Uh, and obviously, you know, a lot of that probably helped by the fact that he gets to play so much with Barkov uh, and Barkov's line. But again, that's a trend that uh, we should expect to continue this season. Um, so I think he's going to continue to generate a lot of shots. He had a, a really bad uh, or a poor season as far as shooting percentage was concerned last year. He got off to that, you know, kind of infamously poor start. Uh, he had just five goals in 67 games. It was a 3.4 shooting percentage for him. It was the lowest of his career. Uh, and it was pretty much half his career average. So I, I really expect him to return to that uh, double-digit scoring uh, pace that we're used to seeing out of him. Um, it's the shame, really, that he did have that poor run of puck luck because otherwise he might have been looking at a breakout season. For years, it was always the assist totals that were holding him back, really, right, from pushing on to that uh, next tier of fantasy defensemen. But uh, he had 36 last year. It was nine better than his previous career high. Uh, and, again, that role that he has now atop Panthers power play in it or that we at least expect him to have uh, should really help him replicate those assist totals from a year ago. Uh, so if the shooting percentage bounces back around that career average of six and a half percent, suddenly we're looking at like a 10 goal, 40 assist pace uh, for a guy that's currently getting drafted in the 12th round. Um, so I don't love to keep saying the same names year after year. It feels like Ekblad, you know, we always end up yeah, talking about it in happen. some fashion. Uh, but yeah, I think that, you know, that really slow starter, that poor run of puck luck to start the year last year turned a lot of people off of him, and you can see it in his ADP this year. Um, so yeah, definitely some really solid help you can get on the back end, um, in the mid to late rounds. Yeah. And he is on the top power play unit in training camp right now, uh, with Barkoff, Huberto, uh, Duclair and Wenberg, I believe is there as well. I think the one thing that can't be overstated, and I think that we're probably the only podcast in the world that would blow this one out of proportion, but I mean, the Windsor alert factor here is through the roof. You've got Joel Quinvel there now. bonkers, dude. <laughs> you got Joel Quinvel there now coaching Aaron Ekblad from Bell River, Ontario. And Windsor alert. yeah, the, you can't be overstated enough. I mean, if, if it means anything, probably not, but I think it does. And that, you know, that means something, it to, <laughs> it means something to me. They're from the same, same area. Uh, but anyway, no, it's he, actually, is on, he is on the top power play unit right now. Keith Yandel is on power play too. Um, Quenville talked about it before training camp started. He stuck with his word. Ekblad on power play one, which is huge. Uh, it's going to happen. It's gonna, it, this him. is his year. Yeah. So I absolutely love that sleeper pick. That is, uh, it's outstanding. I mean, it happens every year. It was, it was fully expected, but uh, I think, you know, that move to PP one, hopefully it's permanent. Uh, you know, it's kind of anything can happen for him this year. That's such a huge, huge development for Ekblad here in the preseason. Yeah. He's, he's such a stud. Like he should just, ah, uh, <laughs> all right. So, just relax. So your him that he doesn't. <laughs> Sorry. I just, I just hate that he hasn't really broken out yet. That's what it is. That's what's bugging me about he this. Did a little you know, bit. No, it's just, but yeah, he we has, but it's that. just, it's all there. All everything's there. We're just waiting. And, uh, uh I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess, I, I guess that's all. Was that's he all your sleeper too? I'm going to contribute. Uh, he was not <laughs> surprised. <laughs> <break>. Um, <laughs> he is at all three. No, my sleeper coming in at a Yahoo ADP. And again, take this with a grain of salt. Thomas Shabbat out in Ottawa. Um, boy. My boy. Always been high on this guy. I had an absolute down year um, last year. Um, he's a year off of 55 points in 70 games the year before, which got us all pretty hyped on this guy. Um, if we're talking about the World Juniors to start, start the show, we got to talk about Thomas Chabot, obviously. Um, an absolute stud for Canada a few years back. But uh, last year in his very low, we'll call, we'll call it a low season, but it was a low season for all of the, for the whole Ottawa team. I mean, we all knew that. Um, 39 points in 71 games. 
in a down year for Ottawa too. Um, it was, it was an absolute down year for everything in Ottawa, but, um, this was a guy during this down year who had, uh, was on pace for 45 points across 82 games. And I'll take that on, onto my fantasy team at any time, especially when that's, um, about as bad as it can get, I think for our boy Shabbat, he shot a, a, a terrible 3.7% last year on 186 shots. Um, if we're talking about, one of the higher shooting defensemen. This is someone who was on pace for over 200 shots last year. Again, before we got, uh, before we, we had the season taken away from us, he's only 23. Um, it was definitely a, a, a sophomore slump last year. And we've talked about it with a couple other teams, but Ottawa is only getting older. They're only getting better. Um, and it's like Detroit where you can't get worse. So uh, for me, Thomas Shabbat currently being picked at 116. And uh, I would take this guy before the likes of Jeff Petrie, uh, John Klingberg, and even Rasmus Deline, who's going, all three of these guys are going almost 20 to 30 picks ahead of our boy Chabot or my boy Chabot. And I just, I just find that disrespectful. Uh, <laughs> so for me, sleeping on Thomas Chabot, uh, he is the number one option out there. Another nice thing too. There's not really much in the way of taking his spot. No, slump nothing. Start the year. So Thomas Chabot, I think he's in for a big, uh, re-breakout we'll say um but he's my sleeper right now re-emergence not my yeah i've yeah. got him at ranked at 83 right now so obviously about way better than 116 spots. yeah about 40 spots uh, ahead of where uh he's going uh it's funny the names that you mentioned i actually have him one spot behind klingberg uh and a couple spots ahead of rossmus oh. dalene so um nice I, I think Shabbat, yeah, like he's a huge bounce back candidate. He's a guy that shot 9.6% in his rookie season, obviously a little high, 7.6% uh, in the second season, um, and then 3.2% last year. So that should bounce back the goal totals. Uh, I think he's a guy that should consistently score in the double digits. Um, and then 7.9% on ice shooting percentage is pretty low, even for Ottawa. I think adding guys pretty like uh, Dadanoff in the mix will definitely help that power play as well. So I like Shabbat to have a nice bounce back here as well. But uh, speaking of bounce backs, my sleeper is PK Subban. Current ADP is 168. Uh, it's absolutely hilarious that a year ago I was calling Subban my bust um, and a certain <laughs> site and podcast. Did he ever bust? Certain site and podcast had him in their top five defensemen last year. And yes, I went after that on Twitter and look very handsomely genius at this point in time. Um, but now That's he's my shocking. sleeper. Yeah. Uh, Subban <laughs> burned a lot of people last year. And now he's going borderline undrafted with an ADP of 168. Um, but still, he's one of the alphas on that blue line and has been the power play uh, quarterback on PP1 throughout camp. So I like the value that you're getting uh, with him around the 14th round and as one of your last roster players, most likely your last defenseman on your roster. Um, the one thing Subban hasn't lost other than his girlfriend uh, is his skating oh. ability and his great point shot. And the devil. That's ruthless, dude. It was a fiance, wasn't it? I absolutely love it, though. It's true. It's all a PR brutal scheme. throwaway shirt. It was like a week old. Uh, I know. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. For PR. Uh, but the one yeah, thing I think he, if you took that dig at a normal person like a week after that sort of breakup, they'd probably cry. Just, I'm just <laughs> swinging. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I apologize. But anyways, the Dallas I love you, Brock. Least, they should be at least marginally better this season. Uh, so I won't be surprised if he gets back on pace for double digit goals and 20 to 25 assists. Still nothing um, outstanding from PK Subban at this point in his career, but his 6.5 on a shooting percentage can't get much worse. Um, so I expect the, the assist totals to bounce back up. 
Uh, I think Jack Hughes should be a little bit better this season. Nico, he's your taking a step forward. Gusev, another step forward. Adding Janssen in the mix. Should be a better team. Should be a better power play. Subban will be the alpha on that PP1. So I think that he could get to that double-digit pace. Uh, and then I'm so sorry uh, to him and Lindsey Vaughn. That was probably on all four. Uh, but all right, D, we'll go. No longer a friend of the show. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll go back to you. Who's your breakout defenseman of 2021? Yeah, we'll just have to cancel PK's appearance for later this season. But that's fine. <laughs> Maybe we'll have him on to talk about his feelings. Uh, what do you want? My breakout guy can mm-hmm. keep a girlfriend. Uh, okay, I don't know if we should start with mine because it's more of like a throwaway. But I just thought we should we should probably talk about Matt Grizzlick. Um, <laughs> so I, I put him in here. It's funny to me because we joked about it, about him a few weeks ago, but it does kind of look like Grizzlick's going to be uh, quarterback in that top power play at least when the season opens. Um, so obviously not as potent of a threat without the likes of David Pasternak and Brad Marchand. Um, so wouldn't expect him to come out lighting the league on fire. I, I think Grizzlick's someone uh, that in standard leagues, you might not even want to take him on draft day, but I think he's worth at least, uh, you know, tossing on the watch list. Um, Cause it, to me, the most interesting part about Grizzlick is whether or not he actually gets a boost in even strength ice time, um, you know, following the departures of Krug and Chara. Um, 27 years old now. He had 112 shots in 68 games last year, despite playing uh, just 18 minutes a night. Um, so not far off the shot volume of a guy like Kiel McCarr, for example, who's playing on a loaded power play in, in Colorado. Obviously, I'm not saying that the talent's anywhere near that sort of level. Um, but again, just to, in terms maybe. of the underlying numbers, yeah, exactly. He's a little bit older, like I said, but they've always kind of liked him as a power play specialist. In the past, when Krug was hurt, he was always kind of the first one to get an audition in the last couple of years on that top unit, which, again, a little surprising when you look at the likes of uh, McAvoy or even, I mean, Charlie obviously not a great option, but still that shot. Um, you would think maybe a more uh, valuable option than Grizzly. So they've always liked him. They've always um, maybe kind of had him pegged for this sort of role. Um, so yeah, if that ice time gets bumped, you know, two or three minutes, I, I think he could be really attractive fantasy asset uh, in standard leagues when Marshawn and Pasternak get healthy. Um, but if you're in playing in slightly deeper leagues, I, I think he's a guy that, you know, you'd love to have as um, your fourth or fifth man um, in, a, in a deeper league. Yeah, so the one thing that's uh, really good for him, I I mean, it's a positive and a negative, I think, at the same time, is that it looks like he's going to be paired with Brandon Carlo, uh, which means that he's going to get, you know, all the minutes that he can handle. Uh, The Bruins have been absolutely raving about uh, Grizzlick's uh, ability. Uh, He's apparently had a tremendous camp thus far, and they expect um, them to kind of just be the juggernauts for them on the back end. The problem with that is... Um, I think a lot of those minutes will be coming against other teams, top lines. Uh, and, you know, they'll be out there in more of a defensive posture uh, with Lozon and McAvoy, probably taking a lot of the offensive zone starts. Um, but the other thing that's weird is we haven't seen the Bruins on the power play in camp at all yet, uh, at least not reported. Um, so we don't know a hundred percent if he is going to be the PP one quarterback at this time, but like you said, they have never, given McAvoy that run they they they've always been hesitant to do so and I and I think that it's almost a lock that it will be Grizzly and um on the power play he's a guy that we've talked about on this podcast for the last month or so that he he's a guy that can definitely produce so um you know it, it, it 
he is kind of like a deeper league target, but I think that, you know, if he is on that PP one for the whole year, I mean, sky's the limit, really. He can work his way in, uh, you know, we see some of these fringe roster fringe guys work their way into standard leagues every single year. I mean, Ryan Graves was like not on anybody's radar last year. And then all of a sudden he became um, important. He's he's this year's Tony D to me. He just, just stands right out as that, Um, which if you can get a Tony D'Angelo, anywhere um late in the draft you want that yeah uh i'm gonna go before you here beeps because i kind of just mentioned uh ryan graves (laughs) and my breakout this year is devin taves uh adp is currently 172.5 uh taves was one of the best off season acquisitions and he's been climbing up my fantasy rankings throughout the first few days of training camp uh it appears to will skate on the top pair with kale mccarr and that is one of the most electric pairs i have ever seen in my decade at dfo uh their mobility is just off the charts and even without pp1 usage Taves should be in for a big year uh he had a solid 28 points last season but ryan graves had 26 points without a single power play point uh because he played with mccarr and often that top line um obviously we don't give a shit about plus minus on this podcast but never do graves did lead the nhl at plus 40 last year and that's wait we give a shit that's big. That just showcases how many goals he was on the ice for all season. Uh, the Graves McCarr pairing was third most, uh, sorry, was on the ice for the third most goals for per 60 among pairings that played at least 300 minutes last year uh, in the NHL. So that pair gets a boost with Taves replacing Graves, and they should be even more dangerous this year. So uh, Devin Taves, obviously Music uh, a, to guy, my ears. A, a guy whose ADP was, you know, super low because no one really knew what was going to happen in Colorado. Half the people who drafted him thought he's Jonathan. Yeah, probably. Uh, but he, now that he's with McCarr, I'm sure we're going to see that ADP rise a little bit, but playing with McCarr it, 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 in that top line, it should be absolutely massive for Taves this year. And he's a guy I was high on last year too. So uh, Devin Taves for me is my breakout beeps. Sorry to interrupt, but I figured you would enjoy uh, me talking about the avalanche anyway. So who's your breakout? No, absolutely. I'm glad that this is only an audio because if it was video, people would just see me celebrating for the last about three, three and a half minutes or whatever you were talking there. <laughs> um, but yeah, super under the radar signing one that kind of happened after the free agency window. They traded for him. Frenzy had gone it. away. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd uh, love to see it. But, uh, but for me, um, I'm not going to go too crazy on my breakout because we've talked about him every single episode, but it's worth mentioning in Tyson Berry. Um, you we know, this is someone who, I, him. I, yeah, yeah, never. Um, he may have broken out before, but, uh, doesn't mean he, he can't break out again after busting last year. Um, one thing I want to mention is Tyson Berry in the last 38 games of the season. I don't know when exactly Keith came in, but I, I took basically from December on, uh, uh, seven points in 38 games. That's well, not really getting much power play time on PP one. He's obviously, we know Morgan Riley rolls out there. So, Insert into this equation a coach who actually wants Barry on the ice, not saying that Keith didn't, but one who wants him out there all the time, especially now that Klinberg's gone, and one that ha- puts him on power play, one with Connor and Dreisaitl. Um, it's just a great combination with a very, very small chance of, uh, of success not happening. So I, I just really like Barry. Again, I don't want don't to beat into this one too much. Um, but, yeah, this is a guy who, uh, going into next year, you know, we could definitely have a, as a bust again. But on a contract year for one year, he's going to want all that money. 
keep there's no way he busts this year like he, he, he's playing no i don't mean this year i think he's breaking out this year but i think he could bust next because he's gonna sign like a seven oh, year when he goes to like anaheim 56. on a seven year yes. deal exactly gotcha. and he's, yeah yeah so this year love him crush it <laughs> and then yeah and then watch him bust next year but uh, all right well speaking of busts this year d who do you got um yeah, this one's kind of tricky. I, I know you guys probably love uh, Miro Heiskanen, and believe me, I do too. Um, I just think the ADP is a little bit high right now. He's the 12th defenseman off the board right now. Uh, and for me, I, I really just would not feel comfortable having Heiskanen as my number one fantasy defenseman um, to start the season. I'd be much more, you know, inclined to take him kind of in that 20 to 25 range. Um, and I don't think he's going to fall there this year. So uh, in redraft leagues, I just think Heiskanen's going um, too high. I think the bar is being set a little bit too high. Um, obviously, he had that ridiculous run in the playoffs and the ridiculous start, really, to the playoffs and the play-in games um, last season or whatever you want to call, whatever that was, three months ago. Um, but racked up 21 points in the first 16 games, which was just crazy. Um, nothing we had ever seen from him before. He had kind of just seemed to really take his game to another level was pretty nuts. Um, everything kind of seemed to be, you know, bouncing his way. Everything he touched found its way to the back of the net. Uh, and then he closed out with the more kind of familiar pace with five points in the final 11 playoff games. Um, so obviously it's going to be hard for a lot of fantasy players and especially casual uh, fantasy players to kind of overlook the start uh, and the run he went on in last year's playoffs. Uh, and I think you tie that into the fact that he's still only 21 years old. Uh, it's obviously really easy to see the attraction there and, and why his ADP is as high as it is. Um, but just having said that, again, in redraft leagues, it's just too early for me. Uh, I'm not surprised to see people jumping up the board to take him. But for me, it's just too risky of an investment that early in the draft. Uh, again, on average, the 12th D-man off the board. Um, we say it. We say it all the time, but always going to uh, always going to want to play it safe, especially early in drafts. Um, so to me, you know, the perfect way to go about a fantasy draft is really building a solid and reliable core and then taking your flyers and your riskier picks as the draft heaters out to fill out the bench. Uh, I know I would just be feeling terrible on draft day if my number one defenseman was a guy with 20 goals and 68 points and 150 career regular season games. Uh, I think he's an, uh, an amazing defenseman. It wouldn't surprise me if he's one of the best uh, all-around defenseman in the league this season, but I just don't think you can bet on his offensive production over reliable fantasy assets like Rowinski, Jones, Carlson, Weber, uh, Shea Theodore, Rasmus Dahlin. Um, so again, all guys that Heiskanen's going ahead of right now, as much as I, I love him, um, I always like to have the numbers to back up a guy before pegging him for a big breakout season, but his point totals for his career to this point um, seem very honest. There's nothing in those underlying numbers that points to some, you know, huge injustice that's going on uh, in his counting stats. Uh, he's already playing 24 minutes a night. I think he's still got Klingberg there blocking the path to the top power play unit, or at least, you know, competing for time on the top power play unit. Um, so to me, it's going to be hard for him to justify that ADP this season. I think he's a tremendous talent, uh, but I just don't think he's worth that kind of investment in redraft leagues just yet. No, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is a lot of these guys he's going around um, are, are have no competition, and Klingberg yeah, has often been the power play one quarterback there. Uh, I think Heiskanen, like you said, one of the best defensemen in the league uh, from an all around standpoint. Uh, that 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 decor is just outstanding in Dallas. But 
uh, I, I was, when I was making my rankings, I was almost like, man, like, am I missing something here? Because everyone else has, seems to have him so high as ADP is through the roof. And I just don't see um, a path to him being like just outstanding this year and a number one fantasy defenseman. Um, I don't know if you mentioned this D, but shot 10% during that playoff run. And that's just not going to happen again um, throughout this season. So he was insane. He was ridiculous last year in the playoffs. It was fun to watch, but I remember a couple goals where he would just throw the puck on net and it ended up going in. Like that's not going right. to continuously happen throughout the course of the season. But uh, Biebs, who's your bust this year? My bust almost too obvious. Just to name that jumped right out when looking at the ADPs this year, I got Neil Pionk out in Winnipeg. Um, this is someone who's going, are, are you guys ready for this? He's going 84th overall um in adp and that's not 84th among defensemen that's 84th <laughs> among all players absolute bonkers to me uh josh morrissey's in town josh morrissey was hurt last year um and neil pionk i, I only have to i only have to say one sentence to kind of kind of make his call him a bust right away 25 of his points last year were on the power play out of his 45 and he's not on power play one this year so take out those 25 points maybe give him you know, be generous, give him 10. And he has a third mid 30 point season. I don't want any part of that, especially not 84th overall. Um, there are just so many, so many better names going around him at this spot. Thomas Chabot, as I mentioned, is all the way at hundred. I just can't even believe this is all the way at 116. Well, we got Pionk sitting there at 84. Um, literally every name around this guy's ADP is better than him. There's a huge red flag. Um, just everywhere with this guy he's currently on pp2 but also dylan demillo's in town um i don't i don't know i can't really it's crowded it's crowded in winnipeg um but it's crowded by better players so for me i just don't love pionk i do love him late in the draft if you can get him and just slide him in as your fourth d-man but at this rate he's no he's d-man too and uh i just that that that, that's not (laughs) for me so so um if you're looking at at neil pionk and there is anyone else who's on a power play one in front of him grab them before he 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 probably will end up on power play one um but even still still, i mean i still never had more than six goals a year yeah i still agree with you that uh even if he does end up on that power play one although um it does you know it's a pretty good unit you got line a wheeler shifley connor pretty uh potent unit that he's going to be on but replicating 25 power play points from a season ago is going to be a tall task for him he's going seven picks before eric carlson well, and that's the thing. I, I don't, I don't think before that this Seth is Jones. so much the fact that Neil Pionk isn't going to have a pretty decent season. Yeah, uh, exactly. But he's just going just much, much too early. Uh, I have him ranked at 131. Um, I respect I, that. I, I lump him in um, with some guys like like a Ryan Pulak, I think. Like another guy that's on a pretty good uh, power play. Yeah, he should be Ross. The Islanders. Like, I think he's right kind of in that, in that mix. Um, I think he's a decent, you know, number two, number three fantasy defense, like low on number two, uh, high on number three fantasy defenseman. But yeah, that's uh, 84 is just far too early yeah. for him. I think you're banking on um, him, you know, replicating that uh, production from last season. And it's going to be uh, very difficult for him to get back there, in my opinion. Yeah. As I mentioned, just some of the other players around there that I just want to bring up quick. Seth Jones is behind him. Eric Carlson, Rasmus yeah. Deline, Shea Theodore, Shea Weber, Ivan Provorov, John Klingberg, Tyson I'm not, Berry. I'm not on board with that. <laughs> Tony D'Angela, 
Charlie McAvoy. So those are all players I'd rather have. I'd rather um, have more so, than Charlie McAvoy because Matt Grizz looks a god. But yeah, that, that's true. But uh, Brock, close out our D-Man episode with your your final bust. Yeah, I'm not. I mine's pretty similar to to why you don't like Pionk, uh, and it's Brent Burns, and it's not that I don't like Burns. I like I said, I think him and Carlson are due for some some positive regression this season. But I just don't like where he's going in terms of the defenseman uh, that he's going ahead of right now. Uh, he's going ahead of Tory Krug, Morgan Riley, Quinn Hughes, Tyson Berry, um, and they're all going anywhere from 11 to 50 spots after him. Uh, the, 50, the 50 being Tyson Berry. Uh, you know, we have talked about him a ton <laughs> this off season, but his ADP is so fucking low. It makes no sense. So um, I do like Burns again. He was in my top 10 defenseman, but I, I had him behind Krug, Riley Hughes and Barry. And all those guys are going after him right now. So um, I just, you know, I think his ADP is 53. Uh, I don't hate him in that spot. I think he could definitely go a, a lot lower, closer to 75, uh, depending on how how early defensemen go in your draft, but just too many good names going uh, after him, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. So I've got Brent Burns uh, as my bust, even though I too also think he he's in, in for uh, a bounce back season. But okay, that was the defenseman. We've got the goalies coming up after the break. After you hear from the Blue Stones, uh, and at the tail end of the show, we are going to talk to Sandy from Owners Box because Owners Box is launching their hockey contests. Um, tomorrow which or today whenever right you listen up. to this episode friday january 8th so enjoy the blue stones when we get back we will talk about the goalies we'll go through our top tens our sleepers our busts our breakouts same way we just did here so enjoy the blue stones and we will see you back here in 60 seconds broken down so i walked the line i dropped my wounds and i down i'm out of money i'm out of time Like a broken arrow, the time slows and my vision arrows. I'm out of money, I'm out of time. Sing your hearts out, sing it loud. Make me happy, make me proud. Black holes, solid ground. Black holes, solid ground. A thousand voices set on free because it's six episode seven of the daily face-off podcast hope you guys enjoyed the defenseman debate in the first half hope you enjoyed the blue stones just a reminder that the daily face-off podcast is presented to you by our friends at oddshark.com all right dylan's favorite part of the year talking about voodoo talking about goalies <laughs> let's break it down from a fundamental standpoint we all have andre vasilevsky at number one correct you betcha yeah, I never like to try to predict the unpredictable, but feel pretty good about Vass at one. Yeah, it seems like a pretty reasonable bet. 
Uh, Vasilevsky probably plays on the best team in the NHL. Uh, the unquestioned workhorse for that team, which always helps as well. Yeah. Uh, so Vasilevsky at one for all of us. Pretty self-explanatory. It's actually hilarious to uh, just to improve his case of being number one overall among the attendees. The Tampa Bay Lightning hat are tied for the fewest back-to-backs in the NHL this season with six. Love to see it. So, even better news for Vasilevsky. Number two, I have Connor Hellebuck. Anybody different there? No, I thought about moving him down mm-hmm. uh, just because I think the competition gets a little bit tougher for him with the division change this year. I mean, I'm sure he's going to miss playing the Minnesota Wild seven times. Um, but, yeah, I think it just comes down to, um, obviously, with goalies, it's always about reliability, right? And he's been one of the most consistent guys, you know, per the splits for the last few seasons. Obviously, he was tremendous last year. Uh, and like we say, this year more than ever, it's just going to be those workhorses that provide the most value. Um, those 60-40 splits are going to turn into 50-50s, the 70-30s, the 60-40s, right? So um, it's these these guys that really are the workhorses that you're going to want to target at the top of the draft because I don't know if you can count on any the ones that are splitting time for yeah um, you know to return that kind of value. Yeah, I really wanted to go different here as well, but it's just too hard to go against uh, second in the league and wins first in shutouts and a 922 save percentage. That's just, uh, that's tough. Hellebuck's, uh, I mean, he's proven himself and, uh, and I got him right there at two again, want to make a case for some other guys. And this is, I think where we, uh, we switch it up a little Brock. What do, what do we got going for Ford for you? Yeah, I've only got, uh, well, three goalies inside my top 10 projected for over a 920 save percentage. Connor Hellebuck falls just short of that at 919. Uh, like you said, D, we did talk about it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, if, you want it, if you want to check it out on uh, dailyfaceoff.com, I did do a fantasy hockey strength of schedule, and we pointed out that the Canadian division is expected to be by far the highest scoring division. Um, the Winnipeg mm-hmm. Jets grayed out with the 26th most difficult schedule for a goaltender. Um, Don't love if, that. If you want to talk about uh, Andre Vasilevsky, the Tampa Bay Lightning have the seventh easiest schedule for goaltenders. So pretty good news uh, for him there. I have Robin Lehner at number three. Wasn't easy for me, uh, especially considering he is expected to split time uh, with Marc-Andre Fleury. You'd expect that Fleury will start more than the average backup because he is not your Mm -hmm. average backup. Uh, However, I really like Vegas uh, in that division. We talked about this again a couple weeks ago about how, how that division looks like the lowest scoring division. Vegas already tremendous um, in their own end. The reason that I like Laner still at three, even with Fleury there, is Vegas has shown to not really give a shit about Fleury. And just like, they'll be like, hey, you know what? We're riding Laner. If Laner's yeah, three, it almost caused the agent to tweet something out that was yeah, pretty bad. Exactly. So um, I'm not all that concerned if Laner's playing great and Fleury is, is you know, mediocre um league average i think that laner could see more starts than anybody's really expecting so for me like it's hard to knock a guy who's as good as he is playing on a team that is as good as they are uh further than three it was very difficult uh to rank him this high but i've got imagine two years ago when he was on buffalo or three years ago when he was on buffalo us telling you you'd have robin laner as your third goalie brock so good though like he's he's always been good he's just like he he used to make finally got a team in in buffalo and just posted 915 save percentage and it just was not anywhere close to good enough and uh vegas is outstanding so i've got uh robin laner at three what about you guys d uh i have laner way further down my list Mm -hmm. i'm just again just scared with that that workload i I agree with you that uh, i think obviously that's the route they should take um 
I think more than anything, they're not going to need to play Laner that much. They're going to be able, even if, uh, you know, Flurry's given them 905 to 910, I think they're going to be more than happy still to give them 40% of the games and keep Laner fresh for the playoffs. Then that's when they'll really ride him like we saw last season. Um, So that's kind of, you know, my feel for that situation. So I have Laner a lot further down. Uh, I think he's a tremendous goaltender. He's had some, you know, a great couple of last few seasons. Um, but uh, again, to me, I just, this year is all about, um, the value for me or the reliability relies with those guys that, uh, are going to be starting, you know, at least, or we think anyway, 75 to 80% of their team's games. Um, and you know, with some pretty good firepower or a decent team in front of them anyway. Um, so yeah, to me, I, I have Laner just, a, you know, further down my list. I have Bennington at three, um, cause he kind of fits boy. the bill better than anyone else um for me uh in that spot just all those he kind of checks all the boxes for me um he's another guy who doesn't have to be fantastic to return great fantasy numbers we saw that last season um you know he put put up just a 9 12 save percentage but had a 30 13 and 7 record um he's not going to face a ton of shots anyway so even if the save percentage does dip a little bit the goals against average will always be respectable um and yeah so i i just think he's been really solid ever since he's come into the league and really taking control of that job in st louis uh, another guy that I, I, I just really expect to start uh, a real bulk of the game. So I have him at three. Um, I don't know which which you got, Beebs, or if you want to hop in and, and talk about your third now, because uh, yeah. I'm sure it might vary a bit. Uh, mine is actually different. This is good to see. Um, I am taking a little bit of a chance here, but I got Carter Hart out in Philadelphia. Um, I expect huge, huge things for this team this year. And if we're talking about uh, guys who are going to take majority of starts, I think we got to think of Hart in that regard not much going on in Philly to take that spot. And we saw it last year, him really break out. Um, I would love to see more continued success there. A little bit of an improvement on his nine fourteen save percentage. Uh, and only one shutout a year ago. That is alarming, but it is still a category in a lot of leagues. Um, as far as it goes, uh, wins go though. I expect Carter Hart to be around the top five, top eight in the league and wins. Um, I'm definitely really high on him here, but I love making a case for uh, for this kid. I think I think uh, I, I think Philly's really going to take a step forward, and, and uh, Carter Hart to to kind of be the leader among that for me. But um, I'll just say it really quick here. I definitely agree with what you guys have, as I had at uh, number four, Robin Lehner, and number five, Jordan Bingington. So uh, so there we are, boys. Yeah, I think the one thing, uh, if I, I'm just going to go back to like Laner, um, I have Bennington at four as well. Um, or I shouldn't say as well, but I have Bennington at four. So we're all kind of right there in the same boat. Um, the one thing though about Laner is like, do you guys not think that he could easily lead the NHL in like goals against average and save percentage this year? Like, cause like yep. he might not. Yeah, start, it's just the other categories. He might not start as many games, but like if you're getting like, if you're getting a 925 save percentage out of him in these roto category leagues, I mean, that's huge. Even if he's only starting two out of three games every week, I, I think that's kind I of, I don't even think it'll be two out of three though. That's why I'm well, and again, I just that. think you can't just, close. you can't assume he's going to give you the best splits out of any of these guys. I think he's a great goaltender, but I, I think if we're looking at, um, I mean, for the still guys that have been in the league the that long, the last like three to four years span, uh, he's not really head and shoulders above these guys in terms of his splits or individual talent. He's been awesome the last two years, um, no doubt. But for me, I can't just assume that he's going to be at that level where he's worth um, drafting above the guys who are going to be starting, you know, one and a half times the amount of games. Um, also, just because I don't think there's that degree of certainty in a split. But I love him as a goaltender, and it definitely could work out that way. Um, but Again, I, I think goalies more than anything. I, 
I'm always going to just um, at least take the more reliable way um, mm-hmm. to, to fantasy value. And I think that's always betting on wins above splits um, and kind of just uh, taking what you get with the, <laughs> with the splits, to be honest, play the matchups. Um, and yeah. And yeah my to- one big worry with flurry right there is what if what if laner starts this year and he, he has a three four games uh bad stretch flurry has a great stretch oh it could, could, it could for sure way. it could for sure um, go both ways mm-hmm. like robin really laner is funny me. because robin laner like seems like to me i think a lot of people view him as a top five goalie um but then flurry it's could all flurry tremendous yeah tremendous value in the draft going so much later if it doesn't work out the way it's it's a very interesting year yeah so many times if, if flurry's honestly, not there i got him at three no question for um, sure but flurry's honestly, there. The, the the biggest problem with laner for me is i would feel if i took him and especially if i took him that early i would need to get flurry and i don't want to have to be handcuffing yeah. uh, a goalie that i'm taking third off the board and that's it for me that's really what it comes down to yeah i mean i guess the other thing in, in to, to kind of bounce off that is like if you do end up with both those guys on your team, um, the problem is you would probably have to take Flurry a little bit earlier than you'd want to take most any other handcuff that you know in the league. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, like you have just unbelievable goalies too. Like you're gonna win. You know they're gonna win sixty percent, sixty six percent of the. It would be probably. yeah. It would be a super reliable tandem, and tandems are gonna end up being really important this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of, I just can't put them again ahead of some of those guys that I think are going to be workhorses for this year. I think can return reliable splits, um, and are playing for, you know, maybe not as good as Vegas, but in that same echelon where they're going to be winning the majority of their starts. Okay. So back to, uh, Jordan Binnington, uh, I have him at four right now. I have him, uh, projected for 40 starts, which is tied for third most in the league. The only two guys ahead of him are Connor Hellebuck and Andre Vasilevsky. So that's why Binnington, similar to what you guys are saying, like, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I just think Robin Lander could be, you know, a potential Vezna trophy winner this year. For sure. So I've got, I've got Binnington, uh, you know, the splits are pretty, I love the faith. The, the splits are pretty mediocre to me, uh, you know, probably going to be around like a 269-15, but the team in front of them is just outstanding, and they're so good. Well, that which that- year? So you're basing that off last year, right? Because, I mean, we have two seasons and then a couple of solid playoff runs or the one incredible playoff run. But he was yeah, 927, just, right? That first year and then 912 last year. So he's a harder one to project for sure. For sure. I think it's a little bit like that first year was so kind of just – extraordinary like extraordinary that it's like it's hard to like rely on that like what did he go like fucking 26 and 3 or something absurd right? like crazy. yeah well thing, that's i mean but... they're gonna win a lot of he's gonna win a lot of games and, and what i was just about to say is like i think like it's safe to to assume that you know he is gonna start 40 games he's probably gonna win 20 uh plus and if you bet on him having a 915 he could easily finish the year with a 920 because of how good that team is defensively. So right. um, I, th- I think that really bodes well for him. Um, I'm surprised Biebs, you dropped him uh, lower than your top five, but I actually have Philip Grubauer as my number five goalie. Uh, I think Wish. that this is finally the year um, that he kind of cements himself as a number one goalie. He, he battled some issues last year, uh, but that team is so good in front of him. I really think, I don't know. I'm probably too high on him, but I really like Grubauer this year. Um, I, just, I don't he, love the splits. Even if he starts, you know, uh, um, a little bit less than some of these guys, like he's not going to start as many games as Sergei Bobrovsky, but I still think that he's going to end up finishing the year as the much better goaltender. Um, you know, even if he starts 32 games, I've got him projected for 20 wins. 
Um, and he should be kind of similar to uh, Bennington in terms of the splits, probably around a 260 save percentage, 950, 916 save percentage, or not, sorry, 258 goals against average, 916 save percentage. So I have uh, Grubauer as my number five. Um, I, you know, Beebs, you said it a few minutes ago, like a couple of years ago, would you imagine having Laner at number three and Grubauer at number five? Not a fucking chance, but he's Bonkers. the starting goaltender. Goalies. Of- He's a starting goaltender of the Colorado Avalanche who look like the best team in hockey in the best division for goalies. That's really what uh, bumped him up my draft boards was the fact that there's just not a lot of teams in that um, division that look like they're going to score. I mean, Anaheim's not going to score. Arizona's not going to score. Los Angeles isn't going to score. Minnesota's not going to score. Even San Jose and St. Louis don't score a fuckload of goals. Like there's going to be no goals going in. (laughs) So to me, Grubauer bumps up a lot just because this this season is, is, is lining up. So I've got, uh, Vasilevsky, Hellebuck, Bennington, Grubauer is my top five. What, uh, Brock, can I just make a quick case against my own goalie for a second? hundred percent. Uh, I just, uh, do you, I know you do look like you want to peep in, but uh, just Pavel Frankuz, the one thing that I don't love about Grubauer is Frankuz has kind of proven in his very limited time that he is a fully capable goalie. And if they want, they, they don't want to see Grubauer get hurt again for the playoffs. So I don't think they're going to, they're going to fully ride him no matter what happens, unless Frankuz does absolutely hit shit, hits the fan and he, he doesn't show what he did last year but as of right now i think they're it, 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 i don't think they want to push grubauer super hard at the same time i have to stand there and, and agree with what you said and if he starts 32 games you're getting 20 wins so i i have him right i do have him in my top 10 and i have him right near there i just can't i i gotta show more respect to my boy pavel frank who's um who, who showed a great job filling in last year and it's just it's uh it, it'll be i think the splits will be tough to get away from yeah i'm in the same boat and it's basically you know this is a really unique year and obviously, you know, we kind of took different approaches to what uh, we value and what we're looking for out of goaltenders this season. Um, I, I respect the angle you're playing for. Cause I don't, you know, to a degree goaltenders are so volatile that you can't really rely on anyone. Um, so you might as well just go for the goalies on the best teams. But again, at the same time, um, the way I'm looking at this season is if it was a normal season, I'd be a lot higher on guys like Laner and Grubauer, but, um, honestly, I, I, Grubauer is just outside my top 10 for me. Um, he's got a random mysterious knock right now too. I'm sure it's, you know, it'll end up being nothing. <laughs> really um, but he has missed a practice and they haven't explained why yet. Um, so I, I don't know. I, to me, like, again, it just comes down to how you approach the goaltenders this season and what you really think about it. If you want to load up on tandems and a guy like Grubauer is going to be really valuable, um, but he's just going a little bit too early for me, honestly, with the, again, the caveat that you're probably going to want to take. Uh, yeah, Frank Hughes or... is going like 20 spots behind. So you basically exactly, got to right? go back to back on your rounds with him. Yeah. And Grubauer is still basically going right around the spot of the number one goaltender. So, or fantasy goaltender. Uh, and again, I just don't want to have to take my goal, my first goalie, you know, in the first five or six rounds and then know that I'm going to have to handcuff him a couple rounds later. Um, so yeah, again, it's, it's a different approach this year. Um, but I just put a little bit more stock in those guys that we still expect, um, to start the bulk of their team's games. I think the one, the most interesting thing is obviously we seem to have a little bit different take on, on these goalies. And I think that that's obviously going to be the case when it comes to these drafts as well, but doesn't it also like we're talking about how these guys aren't going to be starting as many games as they have in the past. And there's going to be more reliance on backups. Doesn't it seem like a year though, where you can almost just take four pretty good goalies that are all going to get starts and just play the matchups effectively and, and, and have yep. a lot of success that way, as opposed to maybe 
taking a like maybe this is the year d you always talk about it as a guy who doesn't draft goalies early maybe this is the year to not even think about taking the andre vasilevskis or the connor hellebucks or any of these guys going to the early rounds and then load up on three four of these middle tier guys and just roll in the matchups because there's gonna see be, that's there's gonna be so I, i'm with you that that like are going low like you got a guy like 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 um braden holby he, he's going 103rd Listen. right now i i totally agree with you but that's why i think these you know five six seven guys that are still gonna start 75 percent of their team's games on teams in you know the upper half of, of the league i i think there's so much more valuable this year um, so I totally agree with you. And uh, those are all the type of guys that I would be targeting. And then I probably will end up with them on my team. Um, Cause yeah, I still don't like to reach for goaltenders, but if I would, it's going to be one of these, like I said, five, six, seven guys that you can still rely on and have no real competition at all coming behind them. And you know that basically if it's not a back to back, they're still going to be playing. So um, yeah, that's why, again, it's just a little bit different for me this season. Uh, I'm probably myself, like I said, going to have to end up resorting to something similar to what you're talking about. Um, but I think it's that same kind of phenomenon uh, this year that's going to drive or for me drives the value up of the, those select few that uh, still kind of check those boxes. All right, we'll stick with it here then. Let's see uh, hear who you've got here. Let's wrap up our top tens, go five through ten here, or wherever you're at there. Uh, yeah, so I had Bennington at three uh, and I actually have Tristan Yori at four. Um, again, I just think he's going to start a ton of games for the Penguins this season. As much as I love Casey DeSmith, I, he's just that exact type of goalie, them moving Murray away. Um, again, they know they would have known it was going to be a condensed season, or I at least hope they would have had that uh, foresight. So I, I think if they weren't 100% confident and Yari starting 75% of the games, um, they wouldn't have traded Murray because, again, they've never been uh, particularly high on Casey DeSmith. So I think it's going to be more of Yari, assuming he's healthy, he's going to start. Um, every game that's not a back-to-back and his splits last year were phenomenal. He's one of the best goalies in the league last season. Um, so yeah, it's still Pittsburgh Penguins and they're still going to win a lot of games this year. They're going to score a lot of goals. Uh, so yeah, I have Yari at four. I have Connor you, uh, at five. Sorry, hold on. Just to talk about Yari for a second. Are you not worried about the Michael Matheson, Cody Cece third pairing? Sorry, that, Honestly, that third pairing just makes me laugh so hard. You just had to bring it up. Eh? Well, it was yeah. better than Jack Johnson and whoever it was last you year. You still on par, exactly right. So it's nothing. It's nothing they're not used to. Um, and again, we talk about uh, the defensive impact that Crosby's had in the last few seasons, and it's not as much of a freewheeling team as before. Even if the defensemen aren't quite up to snuff, they just don't pay at that crazy pace. Um, so you still shouldn't face a ton of shots regardless and yeah like i said they're still going to score a lot of goals and by default should win a lot of games uh so i have yari just above heart but i think they're pretty uh, interchangeable and then kemper for me right below there his splits have been phenomenal the last few years um but again obviously i, I just kind of think philly and pittsburgh a little bit more reliable for wins this year kemper obviously has never really um been able to at least stay healthy and sustain a number one job for a full season he looked amazing last year um so i i have him at six uh, I got Freddie at seven above Laner, which I know seems pretty ridiculous. But to me, again, it's just a special year. Um, and it's just kind of the route or the philosophy that I'm taking to evaluate the goaltenders this season. And I think Freddie, based on where he's going, is actually going to return a lot of value this year. Um, so I have him at seven. I got Laner at eight. Um, again, I think Laner's outstanding goaltender. Whenever he plays, he's going to be one of the top two or three goalies of the night. Um, but I just don't think he's going to end up playing that many games, even if he is the best goalie in the league. I, I still think they're a good enough team that they're going to be able to look towards the playoffs, keep him fresh uh, in a condensed season, uh, and still get Flurry a lot of games. Um, 
And then similarly, really tough for me here. I was actually thinking about going uh, Grubauer here. I ended up going with Rask instead. Um, I don't love the Bruins' outlook for this season, but I still got to give Rask that little bit of respect. I, I don't think he, um, you know, when he playing, I, when he plays again, it's similar with Lena, where I think more often than not he's going to be one of the better options on the night. Uh, but obviously, with Halak there, he's another guy whose ice time is really going to get cut into. Uh, probably not a guy that I'll end up seeing at all this year because he's going incredibly early and and not anywhere near an ADP that I'd be interested him in. Um, but still, I got to give him a little bit of respect. Um, so Grubauer, Grubauer fell out to me because I wanted to give one of Shesterkin or Samsonov or Samsonov um, the number 10 spot. I ended up going with Samsonov. Uh, just, again, another guy that I think is more likely to run away with a starting job on a really good team. He's looked good whenever he's been in. Um, so he's he gets the 10 spot for me. Eves, how about you? Wow, that was that was a wild ride, and I I, I love it. Um, so for <laughs> me, <laughs> um, for me, I uh, I did it, so I had Connor Hellebuck three, uh, Laner four, number five. I had Jordan Bennington, or yeah, Jordan Bennington, number six, Tuka Rask out in Boston. Um, basically, I thought I was the one who was kind of shitting on him here at six because a lot of other rankings right. have him in their top four, top three. Um, and I honestly, I thought I was being really nice putting him six. Um, but I, I guess six is the most I hope for at a Rask. Um, I do expect huge splits out in Boston, but um, but at least when he does play, he is going to get those wins. We've only ever seen productivity from Tuka Rask um, in the past, other than his one year. Number seven, though, I have Dees Frederick Anderson out in Toronto. Um, for me, he just passes Grubauer. Due to uh, due to just the certainty of the starts, and uh, I don't know, it kind of outweighs who's going to be shooting on Anderson. But as a whole, Brock made a very good point. Colorado is not facing good talent uh, as far as scoring goes. I guess it was just Vegas that scared me. But Grubauer at number eight, uh, number nine, Ilya Samsonov. I think this guy's in for a huge year. We talked about um, Lundqvist, obviously not breaking into his starts. So uh, this is a guy. This is a, a guy who I truly expect to break out into a uh, in, into maybe a top five goaltender. Who knows? Especially with that team there, um, we've seen him truly succeed in other leagues, and you know, just a matter of time before it happens. And speaking of success in other leagues, uh, KHL star Igor Shesterkin, number ten for me. This guy can uh, can keep himself out of car accidents. Um, because he got no one last year, and that's what really slowed him down there. If he can stay <laughs> off the road, um, then that's worse I than expect... the bonding. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, it was a, but it was only a back injury. It was like a light back injury. Um, him and him and Bushnevich, though, I believe it was, were riding together. That was not good. Anyways, uh, no accidents. Igor Shesterkin in for a big year as far as it goes from my end. I, I really like New York this year. I don't really like them. Um, I think they're a fringe playoff team, but I think that is considered really liking them. So, uh, yeah, based off where they've been. Number 10. Yeah, I just really like what this guy did uh, during his small showing last year. You know, as the king out of there, and I see him as the true number one starter. So that's my 10 rounded out. Shall we get into our bus? Uh, no, I, I still have to round out my top oh. 10. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, just trying to just trying to make it easier for everyone and not hear Brock's opinion here. But it's all good. I guess we got to let you talk. I got Freddie at I got Freddie at six. Uh, obviously, a lot to like about Freddie Anderson. Um, obviously, the division's not great. Freddie Anderson's splits have never been all that great, but he's always been a pretty reliable uh, mid to low end number one fantasy goaltender. So, uh, you know, I think that he's been extremely reliable through the years and there's no way I'm backing off of him now. 
Um, I do have Tuka Rask at seven. Uh, I don't love Tuka Rask. He's going way too early. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, but he's still reliable. He's still good. He he's, he could post the best splits in the entire NHL this season. Um, him and Laner. And, uh, you know, <laughs> got to show the guy a little bit of respect. So I still have Tuka, uh, number seven. Number eight, I have Igor Shesterkin. Uh, his numbers in the KHL were off the charts. I don't know how to evaluate those really, especially when, Casual nine forty. when one team is like just, you know, light years ahead of the other teams. But uh, came to North America and did absolutely terrific uh, in the AHL and the NHL. The Rangers should be a little bit better this season. So I like Shesterkin's uh, chances to win a lot of games this year. Um, you know, it shouldn't be understated that, um, you know, he does have some competition for starts. So hopefully he doesn't falter because, uh, he could lose some starts there. Uh, I've got Ilya Samsonov at nine. I, you know, he was, he climbed my boards immediately as soon as, uh, Lundquist said he was not coming to the NHL. Uh, Samsonov should start the lion's share of games there. Um, and this should really be a, a breakout for, uh, Samsonov. And then I've got Carter Hart at 10. Uh, I really like, the Flyers this year, I tweeted their lines and deep pairings the other day, and they look incredibly, incredibly deep. I like them quite a bit. Um, and then Yari did not quite make my top 10. Um, I guess I'm a little bit more of a believer in Casey DeSmith than even Casey DeSmith truther himself, Dylan Berthium. So um, Yari just missed for me. I, I do think that he's going to be really good. He had a ridiculously good yep. year last year. Um, it's weird. I guess I'm contradicting myself because I think that Casey DeSmith can take starts from him when there's clearly Marc-Andre Fleury can take starts away from Robin Lehner. So uh, I'm just full, fully contradicting myself across the board here. And that's, that's what we're doing here. So uh, I mean, goalies are always, goalies are always trickier and it doesn't get any easier when the schedule is as condensed as it oh, is when you're, playing, when you're playing five games in a week. I mean, it doesn't make it any easier uh, to evaluate goalies. Uh, goalies are right. the weirdest people and they're always the weirdest lists. So yeah. thanks goalies. <laughs> all right, D let's go back to you. Who's your sleeper goalie for this season? Uh, John Gibson. <laughs> I don't think we can go here <laughs> without talking about John Gibson on the goalie podcast. Um, so that's basically the reason I, I picked him. Uh, no, he's given a tremendous value right now. Again, I, I just think, yes, the Ducks are a terrible, terrible team. Gibson's coming off a pretty rough season, uh, but he's getting drafted in the 14th round right now, 156 overall. Um, so essentially a guy you can get to fill out your team as your third goalie, uh, which is exactly what you want with a guy like Gibson. You want to be able to pick your matchups with Ducks um, and play him in those cushier uh, again, I guess those cushier matchups on, on those easier nights. Um, yeah, he was one of the most consistent goaltenders in the league uh, before last season. Um, hadn't posted a season below uh, a 914 save percentage last year. I felt the 904, like I said, obviously wasn't his best year. The Ducks aren't a great team, um, but still just 27 years old. Uh, as far as splits goes, Basically, you don't see a goaltender go through the leagues without having a, a rough year, save percentage-wise or goals against average. I don't care how good the goalie is. Uh, it's just a volatile stat. Um, so, again, I'd expect him to bounce back to more of that 915, the 920 range that we're used to seeing out of him, even uh, with the Ducks being as poor as they are and still going to start a ton of games. So I think that's outstanding value you can get uh, in the 14th round. Yeah, he, um, he – 
I talked about how I like Grubauer because that division's not going to score any goals. And uh, well, he's right there in the same division. So I think that he could easily have a bounce back, especially yeah. playing. Except he's got to play. Unfortunately, he's on right? one of the teams. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. but like you can realistically play this guy every single night except for their eight games against Colorado. So his the other right. forty-eight games of the season, um, this guy could be really good, and he's going super late. And um, yeah, because you know, like he's like not going to win a ton right? of games, but, but he's going to post some. He's going to post some really good splits. But you can start him against Arizona, Los Angeles, Minnesota, San Jose. You're not going to want to play him against St. Louis and Vegas very often. But those other five teams, he's going to be absolutely outstanding. And when you draft a guy, is you know, Dallas not in that division? Am I tripping? No, I'm sorry, no, I'm they're in the cent- they're in the Central with Carolina, yeah. Chicago, Columbus, Thank Detroit, God. Florida, Nashville, Tampa. That's wild. Okay. Yeah. yeah enjoy. Um, but yeah, so. Um, I think that's the one thing, and obviously you're going to be able to pick and choose your matchups more so this year with Gibson than in the past, because often you'd have to draft him as, you know, potentially a number one fantasy goalie. And this year you can get him as a number three and you can really pick and choose those matchups and, and kind of yeah. get as, you know, maximum value out of John Gibson, who is a really good goalie. And some nights he, you know, he's just absolutely terrific. So you can get really good value out of him this year uh, for sure. Beebs sleeper goalie. We're talking really good value. I got to talk to the guy I chose to bust last year. Um, I now have her as a sleeper this year. Simeon oh my God, Varlamov. He's like PK Subban. Out in the island, Simeon Varlamov. Current ADP is 156, which uh, in some leagues is undrafted. Uh, this is a guy who's being taken after backups. I think he's being taken after like secondary backups, like third goal. I'm totally kidding. I think he has think a, like Ily- I, Ilya Sor- Sororkin is like the starter there. Like, I, I don't understand. I don't his know ADP why. At all. I don't know what's going on. There. It makes absolute, like it absolutely makes no sense. And like as much as Sorokin might come in and do whatever, he's still not going to take majority of the starts from Varlamov. This is a guy who basically broke the one team who was splitting starts before anyone else was. We were always seeing Grice and whoever take the start, Laner, whatever. Varlamov comes in and he becomes the starter there. We haven't seen that in years in the island. At 32, I still think he has a few good years behind him. He had a pretty low 2.62 goals against average. We talk about how good the Islanders are with puck possession. Um, just as a whole, it really bodes well for this guy. It's someone who across the last three years has had an average of a 9.15 save percentage. Um, that's higher than most guys can say. And that's very consistent among goaltenders. 914 is last year or his first year in New York. Um, as we mentioned, there's a very young goalie behind him and not someone who I expect to take a ton of starts, definitely not take a majority of the starts. So for me at 156, Varlamov is a laugh, a laugh. Um, I don't even get it at all. He's going behind names like Corpus Salo, uh, Ben Bishop, who might not even play this year. Uh, you're Halak, which, a lot. you know, yeah, Yurislav Halak, who is uh, might take you know, 40% of the starts still. Even Braden Hopi, I'd almost rather have this guy then, but I'll make a case for that later with my breakout. So, uh, Brock, who's your snoozer? Okay, well, I, I have one clear and obvious one, but I think that there is a couple guys that we can also add to this list. Um, one of which is Sergey Bobrovsky, he's going just ahead of Gibson and Varlamov. Uh, at 130 um uh-huh. last year was absolutely disastrous for Bobrovsky but the Florida Panthers are still a pretty good side he doesn't have a lot of competition for starts in Samuel Montembeau um so yeah he's also going behind Eunice Corpusalo, Yaroslav Halak and Ben Bishop right now um and Bobrovsky is a guy that should start 40 games this year um 
And to be going that late, you know, almost the 12th round seems crazy to me. So Bobrovsky's another guy that I think is, is a definite sleeper this year, but my guy, everyone is freaking out about Igor Shesterkin. And I think it is for good reason. As I said earlier, his numbers in the KHL were insane. They translated to North America, uh, but everyone is in love with him right now because the Rangers are the sexy, trendy pick of the off season. The problem is they didn't improve defensively at all. In fact, they probably got worse by adding Jack Johnson. Sorry, Jack. Um, the Rangers gave up the fourth most scoring chances in the league last year. So life will be tough on Shesterkin night in and night out. Um, you, you know who else, though, was outstanding in the KHL and his numbers translated over to North America? Elvis Merzlikens. Ooh. Um, he had a 923 save percentage and five shutouts last year. And I think Hell he has duck. the upper hand to become the number one net minder in Columbus, even after Eunice Corpusalo's strong playoffs. Uh, but even if they split time, he's almost being drafted as a number three fantasy goalie right now. The Blue Jackets got better offensively and are probably the exact same team defensively um, as they were, which was one of the best defensive teams in hockey a year ago. Merzlikens and Corpusalo, for that matter, should post horrific splits and a higher win percentage uh, this season. So I really like Merzlikens. ADP right now is 112.6. I think he has the chance to to kind of um, potentially take that job and run with it. I don't think that he'll be anywhere near uh, the upper echelon of, of guys getting, you know, 40 starts. But I think that he is a guy that can get, you know, a 55-45 split in Columbus. And the way that they play lockdown defense with his talent, I think he could be uh, terrific this year at that spot. Uh all right, breakout, D. Uh, I got Linus Allmark for breakout, uh, a guy yeah. that we expect to take over the bulk of the starts in also Buffalo. A well, yeah, Carter, yeah. Carter Hutton didn't work out very well, so it's got to be him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, at the very least, we expect Buffalo to be better this season. Um, and again, Allmark, another guy that's going in the middle of the 14th round, 164th overall. Um, so it's going to be tough, like we said, to find guys that are going to be starting the majority of their team's games. Um, so once you're getting near the end of the draft, there's a lot of value in a guy like Allmark, who not playing for the best team, but at least a mediocre team and another guy that uh, should be starting a lot. And you should have, uh, you know, the, the bonus or uh, the benefit of um, having him as your third goaltender, getting him that late in the draft and being able to, uh, like we said, just kind of pick your spots and, and just play him in the cushier matchups. Um, where he can actually end up providing you a lot of value throughout the season. Obviously, playing for a team like Buffalo, there's going to be some matchups that you might want to avoid throughout the year. Um, but going to be starting a lot of games. Splits have always been solid. Uh, he impressed last year, 915 save percentage and 34 appearances. Uh, career 911 save percentage. So uh, I think there's a lot to like. I think uh, from the Sabres perspective, he's going to be 27 years old, or he is 27 years old. So um and the splits have been decent enough that it's definitely worth getting an extended look at this guy and seeing if he can, uh, you know, maybe uh, really command the helm here for the next few seasons as they look to build around Eichel. Um, so I think he's going to get a pretty extended look, like I said. Um, and yeah, should, uh, should be a great guy to have as your, your third goaltender this season. I absolutely love him in that spot, like where he's being oh, drafted, yeah. you know, basically you can pick him up off of free agency as a number one netminder. Um, Bonkers. My only concern with Allmark is I think that this is a definite spot where he could have broken out uh, if it was a regular season, uh, 82 games, you know, play everybody. Uh, but it, it frightens me a little bit that he's going to have to go up against Boston, the Rangers, the Flyers, the Penguins, and Washington each eight times this season. That makes me a little bit nervous, but at least he gets to play For the sure. Bulls and the Islanders eight times. So um, 
they're not going to score a lot of goals. But Allmark's a guy that I've liked. I don't know why. Like sometimes you just get a feel for some I of these like guys. He's, he's a guy that than he is. Like, he's still older. 27. Like he's older than he is. I thought he, he feels yeah, like. No, he's, sorry, older than he yeah. seems. Yeah. 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 But, he's yeah. kind of. It was kind of weird. I mean, with uh, with some of the guys they've had there in the past, they've never really been given the chance. But definitely, kind of seems like you know he should have gotten maybe a, that extended look a little bit earlier than he did. Obviously, a couple years ago, he disappointed. Um, but yeah, again, definitely a guy you're going to have to be selective with, but to get him, like you say, at the bottom of the, the draft, um, and a guy that, you know, is yeah. going to at least provide a lot of value in, in shallower leagues, probably a guy that, uh, you want to keep an eye on as a streamer target throughout the year for like when Brock said, he's got the matchups with the Islanders and the devils. 100%. I debated keeping this guy as my 10th keeper in a 12 team, 10 keeper league. So that says a lot for him until I actually looked at where he was going. And then it was like, Oh crap. But for a I'll while, be, I'll be able to pick him up off free agency. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Huge. Um, another guy though, from my breaker who you should be able to get out of your free agency. Sorry. I'm not sure if you guys wanted to add anything more to all Mark there, but I just got so excited for Thatcher Demko <laughs> currently being drafted at one fifty eight, which is actually surprisingly six spots higher than the minus all Mark. Um, but this is a guy, let me just drop his playoff numbers for everyone last year, four games, three starts, wait, wait for it. 0.64 goals against with a 985 save percentage. Sounds like Dylan the, Levi. Yeah, for real. And Dylan Levi did it against like Germany's 14 man squad. We're talking about this guy doing it against the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Um, I do not love Thatcher Demko's division. We've talked about how scary that Canadian division is for scoring, but if he can prove himself against the Knights, he really has proven himself against the best. Um, Brayden Holt, he's currently pegged as a starter in Vancouver, um, but is he really? Uh, I, I feel like they're kind of, he's kind of just a placeholder right now as they wait for Thatcher Demko to take over. This could just be me having super wishful thinking, but Holtby's 897 save percentage from a year ago has me thinking that it'll be a 50 50 split early and potentially Thatcher Demko take it as the season goes on. Um, the playoff numbers are there. He's proven they can trust him late on in the year. And I do think that. Uh, the future Vancouver goaltending is a lot more Thatcher Demko than it is Braden Holtby. Um, I love this guy as a guy that you can have at the back of your roster. Someone where if Holtby really struggles through the first couple games, we could see this guy be majority of the starter throughout the year with Holtby only taking a couple games here and there. Um, I, I, I just, I, I really like this guy. Absolute bonker stats in the playoffs last year. And I feel like no one's really going to focus on him. He only had a nine fifteen, or, uh, I apologize, a, a nine Oh five save percentage a year ago. A lot of people are going to see that in the stats window, look away, say, I don't want that in my backup, but he is a lot better than that, that save percentage. Um, so Thatcher Demko for me, he is my breakout 25 years old, older than I thought as well, but who isn't old when you're a goalie? Um, the, the thing is, they don't owe Braden Holtby anything, right? Like, it's not like they brought him. Yeah, in exactly. A oh, shit. They got him on a two-year deal. It's not like that. They, they they're paying him long term. Demko was out, you know, outrageous. I was actually pretty surprised they brought in Holtby. I thought that they were gonna really mm-hmm. give the reins like the year. to Thatcher Demko at twenty, you know, twenty-five years old. You think that he'd be kind of starting his career as as number one net monitor, and they might bring in somebody uh, to back him up, but that's not the case. Mikey DiPietro. Yeah, yeah, you might they not even have to someone. bring anybody in, but um, yeah, you know, Hopi I think is a good kind of stopgap for them to get to to that potential uh, goaltending duo, and I, I do still think that Demko will see his fair share of starts this year. And like you said, if Hopi's turning in an eight ninety seven, and and uh, you know Demko's out there playing well, he he could end up taking a lion's share of starts and, and being a a terrific value pick on draft day. Don't disagree. Um, my breakout this year is Carter Hart. 
I mentioned it a little bit earlier that I really like what the Flyers did this season. They have one of the deepest forward groups in the NHL. Their blue line looks solid. It looks like Shane Goss's bear is actually coming back from the dead, which is cool. Um, and <laughs> I think the most important part about their blue line is they're one year older. That is a very youthful group uh, there. And they're, you know, just another year older, another year uh, more mature in the NHL. And uh, But I think the one big piece of the puzzle for them is obviously going to be heart supplying high end goaltending. Um, and if he does, I think they could easily win the East. Div- I shouldn't say easily, but I think that they could win the East Division. Uh, Philadelphia was quietly really good defensively last season. Uh, I mean, they did have the Silky Trophy winner. Uh, they gave up the fi- the sixth fewest scoring chances against. Uh, so Hart should be set up nicely for a breakout season. Uh, you got to remember. Uh, you know, I guess it's easy to forget that he was an elite goaltending prospect. He posted a 9.47 save percentage in his final year in juniors. Um, he's been kind of just right around league average in his first couple of seasons in the NHL, right around 9.15 save percentage, so not too bad. But I think this is the year where he can kind of elevate his game and, uh, up towards a 9.20 save percentage. Uh, so I really like Carter Hart in year three. Uh, but, you know, we've been gloating about all these guys that we like. Let's shit on some. <laughs> uh, D, you hate the goalies episode. Which goalie do you hate the most? Uh, well, I don't want to spend too much time talking about mine because he's already gotten a lot of airtime and a lot of debate tonight. But I did have Laner as my bus simply because, you know, basically everything I've been saying uh, in this entire second half with the goalie segment here. Um, he just doesn't check the boxes that I'm looking for with this condensed and strange season. Uh, he's the fifth goalie off the board right now. Uh, I wanted to also pencil in someone else here, but I know Brock's going after him. So I had uh, and again. Laner made my top 10. So is the other guy that I know Brock's going to talk about, but just taking uh, way too early um, for, for my liking here and what I think he's going to uh, bring this season. Um, so, yeah, uh, I don't think we need to spend any more on it. I know Brock, you value him obviously uh, a little bit higher than I do this season. You're probably fine taking him as the fifth goalie off the board. Um, but it's not just the fact that it's the fifth goalie. There's a real drop off um, between, you know, kind of the, the ADP of Laner and then, um, the rest of the top 10, he's, you know, getting taken 35th overall. And again, I don't want to be taking a guy in the third round that I know I'm going to have to look at taking a handcuff for a few rounds later. Um, so just doesn't check the boxes I'm looking for this season. No, yeah. it looks like we're – Go ahead. I was going to say, it looks like we're almost all going to be shitting on guys who are very high up the board this time around. Well, that's where the um, bust usually come from, though. That's fair enough, Brock. Do you have something to say there about uh, about your boy Laner? You seem to be uh, no. I, I, I just I was just gonna area. go back to it for a second. Like it just, I think any other team, it's like, yeah, this is a definite timeshare. But they're so fucking ruthless out there. I like, I just still think that he has the potential to start. You know, seventy percent of the games. I don't. It's not highly yeah, likely. I don't think it's highly He's likely. He's never really done that before, aside obviously from his time in Buffalo. Um, no, I, I, I know. You know. I'm just the, they're they're so weird out yeah. there. They don't give a shit. I know. I understand. But the best we've seen from Robin Laner has always been while working in a split. And I just think in this condensed season, they're too good of a team. They're not going to need to play him um, that much. So agreed. I agree. I just think that there is potential for them to be just nuts, and he could still pay off. I I, I don't, I don't disagree. What happens is if they're not scoring any goals and he's not getting any help, right? Because yeah. obviously, if they're not winning games and he's the problem, they're not going to look to give him more games. For sure. Beebs, busted out. Uh, had to happen. We haven't really talked about him much on the show, but we do every year, and uh, and it's great to see him coming here. I'm usually high on this guy, but Carey Price, current ADP is 49. 
That is 49 of all players. Again, I do have to repeat that. Um, the eighth goalie coming off the board this draft. And uh, for a guy who has to see Matthews, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Pedersen, Besser. That is um, so, so high. It's crazy, man. There are so many, like, I don't know, not better names. It's not even a, a, a knock on Carey Price. I, I think he's a phenomenal goalie. I'm super biased because he's the Canadian number one, technically. But it's just the guys he's playing against. And he, te- and he has the worst team around him of all these other guys who are being drafted in the top 50. Top 50 for Carey Price. I would have said it was crazy three years ago, but, but now uh, I got, it's, it's laughable. I had to check that I wasn't on the wrong draft. It wasn't on the 2019 one. I think even, um, what'd you say? Eighth goalie off the board, like eighth, eighth goalie off the going board. to the top yeah. 50 just seems nuts to me. That's wild. I think what it is, is there's a definite trend of once Vasilevsky goes, obviously the other guys are coming off the board quick because people are panicking. And he goes uh, in the and, like, first round though. Just, like they're just, it's uh, yeah. so it, early. It, it, there's just not that many goalies that, that have that full time uh, start, but I definitely won't, don't want the one who's at Montreal and averaging only a nine, 10 save percentage over his last three seasons. There are a lot of goalies. If I'm talking about uh, Thatcher Demko, you know, being, being passed, Passed off with a 905. I certainly don't want my first goalie to be having a 910 um, as his average. Uh, again, I love Kerry Price, hate the team around him. Uh, so for me, stack division, you're going to have to choose your starts. And if this is your starting goalie, you do not want to be, you know, looking at daily faceoff. At, well, you do want to be, but you don't want to be looking yeah, at daily faceoff to, every day to, do to, me? to see what your better matchups are. <laughs> but you are right. Um, yeah, yeah, Carrie. Sorry, forty nine, way too high. Toss about uh sixty spots on there, and we'll we'll talk. Yeah, I got him ranked at one hundred and two, number sixty goalie overall. So that is uh fifty three spots away. So I was close. Yeah, I, I think obviously the splits have been falling off the map a bit in the last few seasons for Carrie as he gets older. That shouldn't be surprising. Um, but we talk about workhorses this season. No one started more games than Carey Price last season. Um, so I would agree with you. I'm not touching him anywhere near the 40th, 50th overall spot. I think that around 100 spot is still good value, though. So for whatever reason, he does fall that far. There's still some fantasy value to be had there, but absolutely no reason to be reaching for him that early. Well, the one thing, yeah. though, too, is that he's had the most capable backup he's probably ever had in his career in Jake Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake they brought, Allen's there, They baby. brought him in. He's probably more of just an expansion draft guy, but – um, he's still going to start his fair share of games. Uh, you know, it's probably the best backup that, that they've had behind Carey Price ever. So, um, uh, let's wrap this show up with my bus. I've got Tuka Rask. Uh, the Bruins definitely got worse this off season, considerably so on the blue line. Uh, they, they lost Tory Krug and probably to a lesser extent, Zidane Chara. Uh, that is obviously going to have an effect on the Bruins goaltending. I would imagine. I mean, their blue line is, there's not it, a seven it, footer in the way. Well, it's just a not. It's like overall, the blue line just doesn't look great. I mean, your top four is is Jeremy Lozon, uh, Charlie McAvoy, Brandon Carlo, and Matt Grizzly. You know, I think that's a pretty decent top four, but it's not. <laughs> it, it's, it's nothing great. Um, yeah. You know, you're gonna miss Tori Krug and Zdeno Ochara. That is for sure. Um, but I think they just didn't fill the holes. It's crazy. Like, like no, teams they, filled the holes and they didn't. The fact that like somebody like Sammy Vatnin was even just sitting out there until like today and they signed him for $2 million. Like I get the Bruins don't have a lot of room, but it's like, you know, like how, how is Sammy Vatnin not coming in and and replacing somebody on that blue line? (laughs) (laughs) D you're killing me. Uh, But anyways, (laughs) um, there's goalies being drafted, uh, you know, in the top 10 that are going to be in timeshares, but I don't think that any goalie is more fully entrenched in a timeshare than Tuka Rask. 
this team, you know, you know, Robin Lander, he might be in a really tight timeshare, but we know for certain that Duke Rask is going to be, they, they have shown uh, confidence in Yaroslav Halak. was great last year and they rolled with him uh, quite often. I, I think that both of them are still going to be pretty uh, valuable in fantasy hockey this year. They're both going to win a bunch of games or whatever, but uh, you know, he's being drafted as a number three overall goalie right now. And I think it's going to be an uphill battle for him to hit that value. Um, obviously three guys are going a little bit too early. Three guys we all like, but just much too early. Um, for you're not wrong, Brock, you're not Not wrong, wrong. but, uh, anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed season six, episode seven of the daily face off podcast. Uh, stay tuned after this quick break for my chat with Sandy from owner's box. And I guess most importantly, is best of luck to everyone in their drafts this week. Um, if you just happen to find this podcast now, and this is the first episode that you listen to, be sure to go back and listen to our Good centers. Our Every right, other episode, left six wing years previews. back. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't go to all of them, but I would definitely listen to our other three positional preview episodes. I, I feel like this gives you guys a really good idea of who to target at the top of your draft and who to target in the middle and late rounds of the draft and ultimately who not to target. So um, yep. if you just found us and you just started on this episode, please go back and listen to the other episodes to make sure you are fully prepared for your drafts. Best of luck to everybody this weekend. Pick some good teams. But most importantly, we'll see you back here next week to talk about the first week of the NHL season. So good to be back, boys. I'm Brock Segan. We got Dylan D. Berthier. We got Michael B. Bondi. Thank you for listening to our um, our coverage of the preseason. I can't wait for the thing to actually get started. I am so excited for my five drafts this weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, to season six, episode seven of the Daily Faceoff podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed our defense and goalie positional previews. And I'm now joined again by Sandy from Owner's Box. Sandy, how are you today? Great, Brock. Happy New Year. Happy to be on the pod and excited for NHL season, to say the least. Absolutely. Happy New Year to you as well. Hope you had a wonderful holiday. Um, for anybody who missed the last episode, which I'm not really sure what you're doing, you've only got a week before the season starts. You need to be prepping for your drafts. Uh, Sandy and um, Owner's Box has teamed up with DFO this season and Owner's Box is a super cool site where you can play weekly fantasy sports. It is a combination of like your DFS and your season long leagues that you play in. You can play anything from one week to four week formats. You get to draft as many times as you want and who doesn't like cracking open a cold beer and doing a draft. So uh, Sandy, why don't you just tell the listeners um, a little bit more about what owner's box has to offer coming up in this uh, NHL season here in the next week. For sure. So just for all our new users, obviously the DFL listeners, huge hockey guys. So our hockey drafts are finally opening this Friday, January 8th. So definitely look out for that date. 
And just to explain the format of it, you kind of hit on it. It's really a blend between DFS and season long with a new layer of strategy that really lets these, you know, new users come into NHL season and become the ultimate weekly GM. So we do, we do live drafts, obviously, and you can do contest sizes between two people head to head. So Brock and I could go head to head for one week. You could do four person contests that span two weeks. You can do eight person contests that span three weeks and 16 that go four weeks. So your contest could fluctuate anywhere from one week to six, uh, four weeks with our 16 man. So basically how it works is it's all head to head live snake draft. You draft your team and then you get an opponent um, within your contest that you face up head to head against for that seven day period. And if you win, if you're in a contest bigger than two people, a four or bigger, you play for another week if you advance. So it's really strategic, you know, with hockey, um, you know, guys are playing three to four times a week, right? And you have to, you're only allowed a certain number of games per position. So for forwards, you're allowed 16 games per week between five different forwards. For D it's nine players or it's three players for nine games. And then for goalies, it's three goalie games for two different goalies. So you can see there, there's a lot of strategy that goes into it. You can really bench players ahead of time. You know, if there's a, a matchup you don't like for one of your players, you can go in and bench them at any point, as long as it's before the start of that game. Um, there's a lot of, you know, roster pickups you can do you know waiver wire stuff there's no bench in our system which is really unique so if you drop a player you know you, you don't like his performance or he gets injured you get a drop there and then that player is eliminated eliminated from the player pool so no one else can pick him up um or none of the other competitors in the league can pick him up for that contest specifically so the other cool thing about what we do is you're not limited to just one league you can draft a contest any single day of the week at any time and it will start from that day and go seven days um in advance to the to the contest so that's the cool thing we're doing, you know, lots of flexibility for our users. Like personally, for me, I'm one of those guys who's doing like five or six drafts a week, at least, you know, we offer NBA as well. Um, NFL contests for playoffs, but for NHL, I'm really excited. You know, I I'm going to be in at least five or six a week. Um, and the cool thing is you can really draft whenever, and there's no real tie down or long-term commitment involved. So I think that's really one of the cool things we do. And you'll notice as you play, there's a lot of social features built in. You know, we have a fully integrated chat system, a group system where you can do, you know, your office pool. You can do your all your buddies. You can rank up against your buddies, talk smack, all that kind of cool stuff. So there's a lot of experience that goes into it past just the drafting aspect of it. And I think, you know, the DFS experience is kind of, you know, plug and play and you leave it and forget about it. Our format's more engaging where, you know, you're really engaged throughout the whole contest, you know, whether it's talking smack, you know, setting your lineup, you know, making a strategic move to win the week. There's a lot of stuff that goes into the owner's box NHL weekly format that a lot of users will really like this year. Yeah. I think that's so interesting. The NHL format versus kind of the NFL format NFL, you kind of just draft your guys and they play one game that week. And then with yeah. the NHL, you've got a little bit more flexibility. Um, and we've got all these tools that we've been offering at DFO uh, for years that will help people find the players to play uh, guys that have four games in a week or uh, easy matchups each week and, and goal, you know, maybe it's a picking up a backup goalie who's getting a, a cake matchup on a back-to-back -back start. So a lot of cool stuff where you can cross over DFO and owner's box. Um, Sandy, if somebody wanted to get involved with owner's box and kind of just, you know, dip their, their toe in the water without spending any money just to see if it's something that they could potentially be good at, how could they do that? Yeah, that's, that's a great point. So for all new users signing up, we have a virtual currency called owner's bucks, which is basically a currency that converts to real money as you play in contests, which is really cool. Um, pretty unique in the space to what, you know, other companies are doing with fantasy, but we really want users to get on the platform since we're a new company, new segment in the market with weekly. 
every user will get 25 owner's bucks to play and, you know, up to, you know, you can play with in a bunch of contests for free without even depositing. So that's kind of our, you know, initial goal is to get these users on, let them try the product. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of cool features that go into it, but we want to make sure they're able to test it first before they, you know, put the real money on the platform. And then just another quick, cool bonus we're doing for new users is every user who signs up and verifies their account, which basically takes two seconds. All you need to do is just verify your location and your age. We'll give you five real dollars, not our virtual currency. We'll give you real bucks and you can play in some real money contests as well on the house. So there's those two, you know, first time user bonuses that we give out as well. And we're also doing a deposit match from there. You know, you love the platform. You're playing in a bunch of contests. You want to get a little deposit bonus. We will match your deposit hundred percent up to $500. So there's that bonus um, for all the users who love the format and want to get involved in some real money games. Nothing like going on depositing 500 bucks and getting 500 bucks for free. That's a pretty good deal if you ask me. I, I think the one thing that's so interesting is, is just how new you guys are and being able to get on before other people do and learning the format and getting a feel for it, I think is really important because um, the more experience you have with it, the more success you'll probably ultimately have. And if you get in kind of on the ground floor, like right now with hockey starting up, um, you might have a, a leg up on the competition when other people join, you know, maybe by the end of the month or in a couple of weeks when they start to, to hear about owner's box more. So I think getting in right now, getting that bonus, getting that five free dollars and maybe testing um, the owner's box and perhaps an NBA contest or, or NFL contest would be smart as you, as we gear up for next week. But I am so excited for the Friday opening of the NHL. Uh, I cannot wait to see uh, I'm probably like, I'm a little nervous because I already spend a lot of time on DFS and I'm, I'm a little nervous that I'm going to be, you know, just wrapped up in drafts all day. Cause I can't get enough <laughs> of drafts. So uh, Sandy, do you have anything else to add on owner's box before I let you go? Yeah. Just one more cool thing. We're also doing a PS five giveaway for the NHL season. So that's going to be, you know, we did one for the NBA. We're also doing one for the NHL, um, which will span, you know, towards the end of the month. Um, you'll have pretty much 10 days from when drafts open on Friday to get in contests and how you enter those. So for each dollar in real money you play on the platform, that's one entry into the giveaway. Um, and then if you refer a friend, this is pretty cool. You get 10 entries. So if you refer a friend, they verify their account, you get 10 entries into the giveaway. So we did one with NBA and our users loved it. Obviously, you know, what a time to get a PS5. So we'll be doing that as a special bonus for all new NHL users coming online this year. That's awesome. It, it's pretty much impossible to get your hands on a PS5 right now. So that might be the one way to do it. Yeah, we're fired up. I, I, you know, a lot of entries, users want that PS5. I want one myself. So I, I unfortunately can't win on our platform, but yeah, definitely get those entries in. And, you know, we'll be announcing that winner towards the end of the month um, after the first couple of weeks. I haven't heard any rules about me not being eligible to win. So I'm going to be wrapping you up. You absolutely are, Brock. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to fire up as many entries as I possibly can. That's awesome. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, please make sure you head over to ownersbox.com. Sign up. You can add DFO as a friend on ownersbox. We can play in contests against each other. Uh, we are planning on starting our own group and getting all the DFO users in a group and going head to head and, and tournament style all year long. So uh, Sandy, thanks again for joining the show. We'll talk to you next week and uh, can't wait for this to get going. Let's go, Brock. Thanks for having me on. We'll definitely talk soon. Awesome. Thank you. It's not over now. Don't lay your flag and turn away. It's not over now. Not this way. So blow a kiss and wrap me up in darkness. Make it quick before the fear
feeling sticks and holds I can't see no other way to come So pick up your bags and we can start something new again Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.